You're listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. (laughs) I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. uh, We are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman. (laughs) It is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. (laughs) (laughs) We do a podcast? What the fuck? Yeah, we passed that nebula already. We are lost. Calabac, you ignorant clod. It's all because of your bungling. If we don't make it back to Apocalypse in time, we will miss Fanholes, the pop culture podcast made for Lord Darkseid and continuing to exist by Lord Darkseid's will. You can suck my ridges, Desaad. Father, please. Let me try to interpret this star map. Lord Darkseid is not interested in your help navigating, idiot. I shall remove your spine if you do not cease talking. You hooded Tony. I'd like to see you try. Oh, I will. No, you won't. Yes, I will. Silence. If you continue to bicker, Yes, we beg for your forgiveness, Lord Darkseid. Now, let us continue on our way. Herbie, you shall navigate from this point on. As you command, Lord Darkseid, I live to serve you. What the hell is that? Shh, shh, don't question it. Hey guys, welcome back to another distinguished, competitive episode of Fanholes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and joining me tonight are two, count them, two of my fellow Fanholes. Why don't you give a shout out, guys, and let everybody know who's here tonight. Outrageous! It's Mike. Hey everybody, this is Tony, and... Who's ready for some plastic crack? Yeah. So what we decided we were going to do tonight is, much like our episode where we did a toy retrospective on the toys from Marvel Comics, we were itching to do a toy retrospective from the toys from DC Comics. So we're going to take a look sort of historically, you know, uh, kind of a broad overview, I think, based on our collecting habits and everything. We'll try to be a little historical and go through and mention some things that maybe we haven't collected, but I think we'll we'll take the detours and, and delve into a little more detail when we all have some personal experience with the toy lines, and hopefully we'll 
come up with some funny anecdotes and, and some fun stuff. And since we're all uh, pretty much fans of, of DC Comics in some way, shape, or form, and we must have collected some of these toy lines, uh, it sounds like it's going to be something that's pretty fun to talk about. Coming from the farthest reaches of the universe to challenge the worst villains on Earth are the most powerful heroes ever in the Battle of the Superpowers Collection. Can it be the Supermobile on the attack, the Lexor 7 armed with kryptonite, or the Supermobile repel those deadly rays? You bet. Ready for battle. Activate Ram. New from Kenner's Superpowers Collection. Vehicles and figures with power action, each sold separately. Flying lessons for Penguin, fish bait for Luther. Can the Supermobile defeat the Lexor 7? You decide. There are some toys that obviously are way, way before any of our times, despite me and Tony being the old men of the crew. We don't go back quite that far. There is a Superman wooden jointed figure that's from Ideal Novelty and Toy Company, and it's kind of like a little marionette, I guess. Like, did you guys see that picture of it that I was like showing you guys the other night or whatever? Like, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, as far as, like, historically or whatever? Like, because technically, that's, like, the very first DC Comics toy figure. I mean, it, it kind of looks like almost like a Thunderbirds-looking Superman to me. Yeah, like, uh, what year was that released? Like, the 40s? 1939, I think, so. Wow, nice. That was close. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like it's like one of these things that, that came out pretty early or whatever, so, I mean, and, and there's, there's, there's other stuff, like, I guess there's, I guess there's some, some other early DC Comics type toys as well. There's the Syracuse Ornament Company that made this kind of weird ashtray statue or whatever of Superman, and I guess it's kind of rare if you actually see one that actually has the ashtray, I suppose, or whatever. I don't know if because people broke them off or because there were only so many made with the ashtray extension. But that looks like more like just kind of like a little wooden statue carving or something like that. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, I know it's hard for some people to believe, but there was a time when there weren't action figures in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is almost kind of before that point. I mean, we're we're not quite getting into the heyday. And and even as we get closer to uh more standardized like DC toys and stuff like that, I I don't think any of us have owned any of these. Obviously, we weren't around in the 30s and 40s. And even when we get to like the 60s and everything, like there were there were toys that were made for Batman, like the 66 show, where they had, like, the Marks Batman, and it was kind of like a bendy figure or whatever, and I'm sure they had, like, Batmobiles and Batcopters and things like that. Yeah. Toys, yeah. And then I think I think the main thing that, that most people know of is, is, like, the Captain Action stuff, which is, like, you know, Captain Action was that kind of doll-like figure where he would come with different outfits, so you would take the Captain Action doll and then dress him up like Superman or Batman or Aquaman and stuff like that, and I'm I'm familiar with the concept, you know, but I, I've never actually owned anything like that. I know they did some kind of retro stuff later on where they've got these kind of Captain Action-esque type toys, but I guess with, with the the properties and the licenses and everything, like, I guess you can't get yeah. away with doing what they did with Captain Action back in the 60s, which, you know, I, I imagine Captain Action could dress up like Spider-Man and Superman, and nobody threw a big hissy fit over it or anything. Yeah, I, I think it was, like, in the, like, mid to late 90s, they kind of revived Captain Action, but 
it really was just like him and his like villain and they didn't have really any costumes to really speak of. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think that was the main selling point was that you were like, oh wow, you know, you can dress him up as anybody. But I guess maybe he had to have like different heads or hair or something like that, depending on who it was. Like, I, I wouldn't imagine Captain Action could also work as Aquaman without a a quick, you know, hair swap or whatever, too. You know, so yeah, he had like brown hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then I guess, I guess this is getting to the point where it starts hitting us personally, or at least in terms of our personal collections, as far as my my awareness is. And like in the seventies, that's when you get to the Migos, world's greatest superheroes. Now, I know on the Marvel podcast, I did mention having a few Marvel guys, like the Thing and the Hulk. I actually never owned any DC Migos, but I'm pretty sure our fan hole Tony here has owned some Migos. So I'm kind of turning over to him as far as personal experience with DC Comics Migos. What what Migos did you own, Tony? Um, which Migos did I wish I still owned? Because damn, those things are expensive <laughs> now. <laughs> um, but I was a kid. Um, yeah, actually, by the time I got like you know, by the time I was getting like toys and stuff. Mego had pretty much gone by, but you can still find them at, like, you know, flea markets and yard sales. So I did actually manage to get a couple when I was a kid. Um, so amongst my Spock and Kirk uh, Mego dolls. Yeah. I, yeah, I know, right? Um, I also had I had Batman. I had Robin. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I also had uh, like a kind of beat-up Superman. Okay. So... Like like but, uh, the, like the Bruce Timm Superman on Justice League, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, ooh, always getting that ass kicked. Um, they they were fun. Like at the time, the most articulated figures available were GI Joes, and they they, they were like twelve inch scale. Amigos were like six inches, something like that, around there. I, I think they, they were like what, like eight or six? I don't know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. They they were they were definitely like the size you would see modern toys now, like yeah. before it went tiny. And it had good articulation. It was kind of like a rope rubber band type assembly. And they had really good articulation for the time. The head sculpts were actually pretty good. I actually can't blame the head sculpts as far as, like, you know, anybody saying old toys suck. However, where you get into trouble with some of the figures is the accessories. Guys like Superman, it didn't matter. He, like, you know didn't really have anything he just had a cape you know he had a suit and cape and his boots were okay but then there was like batman and robin and their gloves were basically potholders they had no fingers <laughs> so that yeah was... I, I always like to make fun of batman wearing mittens and whatnot <laughs> yeah it's it's really funny cool. that you that you mentioned the thing about accessories because I know that Mego is is having somewhat of a resurgence because you've got the companies out there now doing these sort of retro, kind of like how Funko does those reaction figures and they're all supposed to look like the old Kenner lines. It's like they have these series of Migos where they basically are just reselling the old vintage Mego stuff, but, you know, in new packaging and stuff like that. Like, I know they had some with, like, the Super Powers decos and some with, like, other decos. But one, one thing that I did take note of, because I thought maybe they might, sort of skew into some of the action figures that I own is there's, there's this accessory set they have for the 66 Batman line. So it's like, there are like, 
batter rings and stuff that, you know, generally you'd think would have to do with Batman. But there was also some cool stuff, like where they had the little Shakespeare bust, you know, that opens up, where they put the entrance to the bat cave and everything and like a little bat shield, you know, like things like that. And I was like, oh, well, they, they might be a little bigger for six inch scale, but they still might kind of skew okay, depending on how you how you sort of put them together with it. But since you mentioned accessories, that was something that that came to mind when you were talking about that. Yeah, I, I think one of the reasons people really got back into Migos after uh, they disappeared from uh, toy shelves in the early 80s is um, they're, they all have cloth outfits. They have, like, real cloth uh, uniforms, and you can remove them, and you can put them on. There's there's tons of naked Mego dolls all over the world. Yes. Um, <laughs> and a lot, of, a lot of high-end collectors, even today, they, they really like cloth outfits. They, they think that it makes the figure look better, and it is kind of fun. It, it, it makes them look different, definitely. It was kind of funny, though, because back then the technology isn't quite where it is today, obviously, so a lot of the outfits look like pajamas. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's like it's not quite Superman's like outfit. It's like Superman wearing pajamas, pretty much. But yeah, there. I mean, I I appreciate all the nostalgia and the 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 care that people have for those lines, and obviously that comes through in a lot of things. Whether it's like the Twisted Toy Fair Theater or you know shows like Robot Chicken, when you know they basically they have to use them because they they were still to some degree at some point still the most articulated figures around. Yeah, and uh, one more note uh, before we move on, unless you have something else. It was also officially the last line, you were talking about Captain Action, which actually had Marvel and DC licenses where you, they were the same scale, the same sculpting types and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the last time you could have like Kirk and Spock and Superman and Cap or whoever all kind of be in the same toy line. Planet of the Apes, guys. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like they, they had... You know, yeah, a lot of those things were cool. Like, I mean, I, I think some of the stuff that I, I, I think is cool about those lines are all the little play sets that they had, even if they were kind of like cheap cardboard things. You know, it's like it, it yeah. seemed like there was lots of uh, cool stuff you could do with those those action figures and stuff. I know, I know DC Comics issued, like, Toy Fair, like a cease and desist from using their Migos and their Twisted Mego Theater, because I guess, well, I remember quite clearly that Toy Fair was pretty brutal to, like, DC characters and those, like, it always seems like they were the butt of jokes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really funny after that, uh, whenever Batman showed up, he had a pumpkin on his chest and was painted orange. Yeah, he was Bat Pumpkin. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, and 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 Robin was just named Squash. Yeah, but, <laughs> Pumpkin and Squash. But yeah, they used to. I don't know. They, they, there was one really like mean one where like Spider Man was joined the Justice League and he spent like the whole time like making fun of the Justice League, and then like Starro attacks and it's just this big cookie that's like colored like Starro or whatever. And, like, Spider-Man gets, like, a garden hose and melts it. And he was like, this is just a big cookie. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, they, they, were, they were not nice to DC. They were nice to Marvel either, either, but Marvel, you know, always has the reputation of being the cool company. So this is before they were owned by D- Disney, too. So, Well, I mean, Spider-Man it was usually the main character of those strips. So they, he came off appearing pretty much like the only sane person in a world of crazy. So by default, you know, Marvel kind of, came off smelling like roses as well, whether it was, you know, I mean, I know, like, Tony was always running around drunk all the time, but if you have, you know, Spider-Man, the everyman, you know, from Marvel kind of commenting on that, then, you know, the rest yeah. of people's foibles don't seem quite as as awful if you've got that, <laughs> that perspective. 
they they always used to portray Batman and like as a pedophile when it came to Robin. But like it's like in, when they reprinted those things, they would replace Batman with Captain America and Bucky. Like they'd replace Batman and Robin, and, so they could like keep the jokes, but like still like, not. Yeah, but I, I just I just remember like there was one like a, there was a beach episode, and I forgot like someone kicks sand in Robin's face, and he's like, "I'm going on like the Charles Atlas diet or something." And like he comes back, and he's got like He Man's body but Robin's head. <laughs> yeah, and then like. Yeah. He's like, thanks, Charles Atlas, and Batman's like, thank you indeed, yum. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they were definitely mean to DC. Like, if I remember correctly, Superman was kind of a dick. He was like very like, you know, I'm Superman. <laughs> good times. But yeah, good I think when I I think they reprinted that story, and like I said, they they replaced Batman and Robin with Captain America and Bucky. So I, I'm pretty sure that wasn't so much DC as as, as was Warner. So. Yeah. So th- this is something I was actually curious about. Um, I'm just sending you guys this for reference or whatever, but kind of wrapping up, I think, the historical segment of, of this show. And I'm not sure maybe some of you guys have owned this or not, but this was something, a line that I knew nothing about, basically, because I was probably <laughs> like a year and a half old or something like that. But this was uh, 1979. And Rimco had this toy line called Energized Superheroes. And I guess Batman and Superman were a part of it, but then I guess the Hulk and Spider-Man were as well. I, I You could probably see from the pictures, but they, they looked like pretty tall action figures, and I guess they sort of made noises and different things. They had different weird accessories and stuff like that. But I was just kind of wondering, like, I, I'm not familiar with this stuff at all. And in terms of Marvel or DC, like you may know, we probably never talked about this when we did the Marvel podcast where we did Marvel toys, but I, I've never heard of this at all. So I guess if Tony hasn't, then we're both sort of in the dark, but yeah, it was just just something that came up during my research. So I I will say they all look good except for poor Hulk. He looks like a midget. (laughs) Well, I guess Hulk suffers that maybe that was like the character design they used in that toy viz uh, toy line too, because he was kind of a midget there as well. You know, the 1991. Hulk! Hulk! Behind! Hulk, not a behind! So I guess I guess that kind of wraps up the the you know pre fanholes uh, being uh, alive uh, segment on on uh, DC Comics <laughs> toys and everything. But I think we jump to 1984, which is what everybody usually likes to talk about, and I'm foaming at the mouth with uh, a glee over is the the Superpowers Collection toy line. Uh, I, I had a lot of these when I was a kid. I was in love with the damn toys. I still am, so much so that I actually, even though I purged a lot of my collection at some point, when I got back into collecting, one of the things that I made it a priority to reacquire was the entire Superpowers line. And, and I'm happy to say that I actually do have everything that exists for that, that toy line. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, some stuff I'd never owned before in my life, you know, like Cyborg and Cyclotron and a lot of those third series guys, Plastic Man. Like, I never had those as a kid, but now I actually have the whole line and everything. But it, It's a little-known fact that every Saturday night 
after we get done with the Fan Holes podcast, Alex Ross comes over to Derek's house, and they both put on Snuggies, drink hot cocoa, and just stare at their superpowers action figures. <laughs> yeah, and then when, when he's in the Snuggie, I punch him in the face for not including Firestorm and uh, <laughs> saying that Nightwing's not like a legitimate character or whatever other quibbles that, that Spider-Man only talks in uh Bazoink balloons from fucking the electric company. You know? uh, I, I, I remember Alex Ross saying he was also a big fan of that toy line too. Yeah, you know, you know if, what? if if someone makes fun of your Aquaman toy, John Byrne yes. comes over and like talks some sense. Into them. <laughs> I was just about to say that. I was going to say like, you know, who is a fan of that line was was John Byrne because he had all those toys and everything. That's a great, that's a funny-ass story where it's like the kid was playing with it. It's like, do not touch my fucking Aquaman toy. Like, that is not for you. So, I, yeah, I think that's pretty awesome. I I, I, I don't know, it's weird. It, like, reminiscing about, like, my first experience with superpowers, I, it, it's hard to remember which was my first, but I'm pretty sure it was, I know of the two, one of those was my first superpowers. It was, it was either Aquaman or Green Lantern, because I remember, you, you want to talk about, like, you, you know, I, I may yuck it up when you told me, Mike, that you used to use Metalhead as Cyclops, uh, Cyclops figure, but you're going to yuck it up when I tell you what was the Hall of Justice, because it's pretty funny. So, I, because that's basically, like, when I first got into the line, all I had was Aquaman and Green Lantern, and then the first villain I got was the Joker, so, like, what you would do, I don't know, this, I, I imagine all little kids did this at some point, but the Joker came with a mallet, and I, I guess without getting into too much detail, the, the main feature of superpowers is you would either, you know, uh, kind of plug their legs together or push their legs together or maybe their arms together, and there'd be some kind of excess power feature. So you'd, you know, push the Joker's legs together, and his... His arm would swing down with this mallet, so it would go into a you know swinging motion. And you know Aquaman, you would push his arms together, and then his legs would kick in a you know like swimming swimming, swimming yeah. motion. You know Green Lantern would would pop up his his ring finger as if he was you know using his his Green Lantern ring or reciting his oath or you know whatever. And, and so like Lex Luthor would punch himself in the face. Yeah, well, that came later with the the toy biz line, but but yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. He's pretty oh, not super as well. Yeah. yeah, well, well, I think the the Lex Luthor in the superpowers was the war suit, and again, he kind of moved his arms back and forth like he was. I guess it was like some kind of electro punch or whatever the hell they labeled it he, as. I'm pretty sure you've mentioned this before, but he was a goddamn shelf clogger. Yeah, like, yeah, he was. I could, I could find Lex Luthor's like for years. Like, well, after you, you know that, what's like, funny is I, I think besides Lex Luthor, I think the the because I think eventually Lex Luthor went away in my area. But the two figures that stayed there, much like Meagle Hulk, which is why I had a Meagle Hulk in the first place at Toys R Us, were Darkseid and the Flash. And it was like, I think I didn't own a Flash for a long time, and then it was like, but he was always there. So it was like, eventually, I did get a Flash, and it was like, oh, cool, like, he's still here at Toys R Us after, like, you know, I don't know, like, you know, nine years after the line had died or whatever, you know, it was like, still there being like, hey, buy me, motherfuckers, you know, like, that kind of thing, but... um but, That's kind of a shame, though, because Darkseid was actually a really nice figure. <laughs> he was, he was. Like, but I, I remember those being the two that I would always run into. But, but I do know what Mike's saying as well. Like, it's not like Lex Luthor was not a 
a plentiful figure, I guess, for that that toy line or whatever. Like I'm, I'm like I'm younger than you guys, and I like saw him enough to consider him a shelf clock. That's that's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, revealing my secret shame. So all you would have, or you know, I just had like Green Lantern, Aquaman, and the Joker, and so you would usually use this mallet to quote-unquote hypnotize, like, one of the heroes, because the Joker's obviously not powerful enough to beat up Aquaman or fucking Green Lantern. So in my little kid head, it was like, well, the only way he can do it is by turning these guys against each other. So whenever that that mallet was hollow, but at the bottom of it, it was like the handle of that the mallet was like a big, long Pinocchio nose, and there was this kind of, like, Jokerized face at the bottom of the mallet. So... You would always, I don't know, when I was a kid, this is what I always did, and I thought this was what every kid did, but maybe people can write in and tell us if they did or didn't, but I would always put the mallet over the head of, like, Green Lantern or Aquaman or whoever, right, and they would be then hypnotized, enthralled by the Joker, and then, you know, Green Lantern and Aquaman would have to fight and everything, but... Before that happened, they were, like, peacefully hanging out in the Hall of Justice. And since I've never owned the Hall of Justice until, like, I was talking about Cyborg and some of these other characters, I've never actually owned the Hall of Justice until just recently, like, until a couple years ago, you know, buying a vintage collection off eBay. So what I used for the Hall of Justice was my Indiana Jones Temple of Doom lunch pail. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was that was the freaking hall of justice and i would put i would take down like the the front of the lunch pail and it was like they would like hang out inside the lunch pail and that was like that was the hall of justice so you can you can all yuck it up at that or whatever so there's the some place to be yeah so <laughs> what does the computer diagnostic say short round oh it says really good stuff out <laughs> john <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's basically what happened. I, I, I pretty much have fond memories associated with my parents as well due to this toy line. Um, I know when I went to a birthday party of a friend, I believe he really wanted like a Batman superpowers figure. So I think when my dad took me to the birthday party, we stopped at Toys R Us. He grabbed a Batman and what was clearly a peg warmer, but still, like, all over the place, which was the huge dark side figure. And then he was like, oh, well, you know, which one of these guys do you want? And I was like, oh, you're going to buy me one, too? And he's like, yeah. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, And I was like, well, I want Superman. So he grabbed me a Superman, and then he grabbed another dark side. So I guess, I, I don't know if that has anything to do with why I like Darkseid so much, but I think it's because, like, my dad picked him out for me almost. Like, that's part of the reason why I think he's, like, super awesome. So there's that uh, sort of memory of that. And then um, I remember also, like, it, it was this weird promise or whatever that, that me and my mom had where, you know, she knew I liked the toy line and everything. And it was like, well, if you do your chores and you do this and that and... I can't remember exactly what all the details were, but it was basically like, if you do this, then then we're going to help you finish off, like, the superpowers line. And in my head, that meant, like, I was going to get everybody who I didn't have, which wasn't what was actually going to happen, but, like, that's kind of what it was like in my head. And so I was like, oh, cool. So I did all my chores, and I did all this stuff. And then it was like, okay, you were cool. You did what you had to do. Like, okay, we're going to go down to the Toys R Us and you can pick out some guys. And what I was really, really hoping, because by that point I had like Firestorm because I had seen him on the TV show and thought he was like a cool guy. And what I was really hoping for was Cyborg because by that point, 
the the cartoon was in full gear and the Galactic Guardians was on and Cyborg was like the new cool guy and I desperately wanted a Cyborg. When I went there, I saw a lot of third series guys, but Cyborg wasn't one of them. I remember sort of passing on uh, Shazam or Captain Marvel because I had no idea who he was. And <laughs> the first, like, basically it was like, oh, I need Robin because I have a Batman. I have a Batmobile. I need to get Robin to finish it off or whatever. And then I think the other guys I ended up getting was I got Samurai because I recognized him from the TV show. And then I think I must have gotten Orion because maybe he reminded me of Manny Faces or something. Like, I don't exactly know why I was drawn to him. It was just like, I was like, oh, well, this guy looks kind of cool to me or whatever. And, like, later when I was reading the back of his file card, I'm like, he he fights with Darkseid? I'm like, since when? The Super Friends fight with Darkseid. This is ridiculous. Like, this is not, this is not accurate. This is, this <laughs> Who's is, this asshole? This is a lie. He's never fought Darkseid. You know, because all I knew was the fucking cartoons and stuff. I didn't know that that was his son and everything, but, so I, I remember buying those, and, um, and so that was, but what was funny was, I think part of the arrangement was, like, not only did I have to be good and do my chores, but, like, I had to keep my room clean and nice. And I remember I got, like, super excited playing with all the toys. And then I got really tired, I guess. And it was like, I, I don't know exactly what was going on, but I guess I was just really tired. But it was like I was trying to, like, like I was falling asleep, but, like, I knew, like, in the back of my head that was part of the arrangement. So I was like, wait, no, I gotta, I got to clean all this stuff up. And my mom's like, no, no, it's okay. You can, you can take a nap. You can go to bed. But it was like, no, no, I, you know, I made a promise. And I'm like, I got to clean all this stuff up. And she's like, no, no, that's fine. You can go to sleep. You can, you can clean it up when you wake up or whatever, you know? So they're just like, must have superpowers. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, got to clean the superpowers toys. They cannot leave, you know? So it was like, that was always a, a fun, big deal to me and everything like that. But, um, you know, obviously I did not have a, a complete collection even into my sort of, uh, you know, post-college years or whatever, like I've been saying. But but that did finally become a, a I guess, a goal unlocked and achieved within the last couple of years. And I'm kind of super happy that I did it. I mean, I, I at the time I was like, oh, I don't know if I should do this or not, you know, but, but I did, you know, track down a set where it was like all vintage stuff. I mean, the, the only thing technically that is not from superpowers was he included like a Riddler figure that was from the Toy Biz line because I, I'm imagining those those super amigos Riddlers that are basically just Green Lantern repainted or like probably command a ridiculous amount of money if you've ever actually seen them. But I, I keep blabbing about superpowers and I'll probably talk about it all night unless I open it up to you guys. What did you guys own like superpowers toys? I, I just have a quick story about them, and like, then I'll turn it over to Tony because he probably has more to say than I do. But I have a similar like family story about superpowers. Where when I was maybe I don't know like eight, maybe I think my cousins from Florida came up and uh, like they were staying with us for the week, and uh, like they were. I had two like younger cousins. One was like two years younger than me, and the other one was like four years younger than me. So he was like five or four, and my other cousin was like. I don't know, like six or seven, and I was like eight, maybe. But anyway, my youngest cousin had like the Batman and Robin like superpowers toys, and he also had the Penguin. 
And, like, for that entire week, like, I so badly wanted to play with Batman and Robin. And I just keep asking him, like, could I please, like, see them? And, like, this this four- or five-year-old little snot would not let me play with them. And, like, even, like, his, his parents would, like, try and take them away from him, and he'd just start crying and stuff. And he, he'd be, like, we, we, this is still a story we make fun of him for, like, even today, where he would not let go of Batman, Robin, Batman, Robin. And, like, finally, like, at the end of the week, like, my, my cousin, like, she, his mother, she was like, okay, look, here, Michael, like, you can play with one of them. She gives me one, and it's fucking Penguin. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about Penguin. I want to play with Batman and Robin. I sense a sarcastic and hostile edge to your tone. So, yeah, people. <laughs> yeah, so I never got to play with Batman and Robin. So, like... <laughs> That's, we still make fun of like him like uh, to this day. Like he's married now, and I still like talk to like whenever I see him. I'm like, dude, let me play with your fucking Batman and Robin. Like, yeah, that, that, I, I don't think I ever actually owned any superpowers. But like I said, like I used to see them at KB Toys like all the time. They, they'd be in like um like bargain bins in the front. Like there'd be schools of like Lex Luthers all like sitting in a pile and stuff and yeah but that that's about it really I don't think I've never ever owned any of them yeah Batman and Robin <laughs> Batman and Robin so what about what about you Tony you got any uh, superpower stories or, or recollections of, of old superpowers toys you used to own or be fond of oh uh, yeah actually I do um I got a couple of figures on and off when the series was big, but like uh, Mike said, pretty much when the show went off and the line ended, you could get some stuff pretty damn cheap. And uh, two of the things I, I, I remember definitely getting were uh, the Dark Side Destroyer, which yeah, uh, yeah, which as you were well aware of is fucking huge. Yeah, it is huge. It takes up like a whole damn shelf practically on my my thing now, so. Yeah, but it's it's pretty cool. It kind of like I don't know. It reminds me of like I don't know if I don't know Kirby like got I don't know taken over by Klingons and they want him to design a ship or something. But it's kind of yeah, kind of like a, a bird of prey merged with like the Fantastic Car, but it's it's like got like Desaad and Kalavak on the little separate ends instead of like Ben and Johnny or whatever. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I remember I always used because Darkseid was actually about as big as He-Man figures. I remember the Darkseid Destroyer was always kind of like my, like, you know, Skeletor's losing, Darkseid killed He-Man. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I just I, I just have a mental image of, like, Darkseid, Desaad, like, Calabac, and, like, Herbie flying around, <laughs> like, in, like, the Fantastic Car or something. Like, Darkseid's like, separate. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I also had the uh, Delta Probe one with its awesome disco ball action. Uh, spin, <laughs> spin. Um, <laughs> That's a good trick. <laughs> it's, it's always a good trick, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but I, I think because of the promotional art, I was always of the opinion that that Delta Probe one belonged to Green Arrow, like that it was his, his ship. Because of his like really weird like fetish for yellow things, even though he was green. <laughs> I, I I don't know I I just maybe I just thought I figured well you know Batman could fly in like the Batcopter or the Batmobile or whatever to keep up with everybody but I was like well what's Green Arrow gonna do and I was like oh he must like he can't fly anywhere so 
he's got to have some way to get around, you know. So I figured he, he he would get around like town in the Delta Probe or whatever. Yeah, I also had the Supermobile, which um, was actually not as silly as the comic because instead of two big punching fists, it just had like a little battering ram. That you yeah, pushed off back. it had that battering ram and stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, as far as figures, I didn't have a lot of figures. I had a dark side. I think everybody must have had a dark side. I'm telling you, man, dark side. He was he was the the massive peg warmer at at certain yeah. points. Yeah. Um, one thing that was really cool about him, um, I could be wrong. I'm sure some toy historian will take me to task at some point. But he's the first figure I remember who had light piping in his eyes, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, I I don't remember if there was anybody who had light piping like that before, but but yeah, that was definitely one of the cooler parts about how how they sort of toyified his omega beams, I guess, which which was always really cool. I yeah, I remember even like Dark Side Destroyer had like that little thing on the throne where he pushed the button and it shined a light through it so he could do it from his throne too. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it, yeah, it was definitely cool. I mean, I remember being, um, you know, the, the, I think it got to a point where when I had the toy, he would always run around with that cape and the little D amulet that he had, like, attached to the cape yeah. or whatever. But I think the more I started reading, like, the New Gods comics and everything when I was a kid and reading and Crisis and all that play. stuff, it was like, oh, the cape? Get this shit off. You know, like, that's not cool. You know, so... It's kind of funny how that works. Comic accurate. Yeah. Um, And the other figure I had, and I think this was one of those figures that kind of opened me up to my massive love of, like, second-tier characters, even in, like, other collecting avenues and other stories. You know, like, you know, I always talk about Prowl and all that stuff. Um, Red Tornado, who was was really cool. Um, Like Derek said, they all had special features where if he squeezed their legs or squeezed their arms, they would, you know, do something that was, like, related to their superpowers and... Red Tornado Man, he, his like legs would just go. <laughs> just like, it was just so funny because like I, I knew there was supposed to be a tornado effect, but I usually just had him dancing a lot. Um, I don't know why it was like Red Tornado dancing, like da 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 da. It's like dancing with the Justice League. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but yeah, they they were definitely fun toys. I I kind of wish I had more because I I would have loved to have like you know Mike was saying. Batman and Robin, and you know, like like the the first stringers. But uh, I was glad I got Red Tornado. He kind of made me appreciate the uh, the not big guys. Well, I, think, um, I think because like this this line came out in 1984. It kind of wrapped up in 1986, and then it wasn't until 1989 when like the Batman movie came out that we had any other DC toys. So like for a lot of us, like. I, I, I know you're saying, like, there were lots of certain toys in the bargain bins, but, but some of us, you know, we hadn't collected the whole line or anything, too, and there were lots of guys you really, really wanted, but the, the, the main place where I remember seeing figures after the line ended for the first time was at WonderCon, and this was a convention that was, when I was, you know, that age, around those years, was in Oakland. And I think now it's, like, in L.A. somewhere or whatever, like, in Orange County or something like that. But it was originally a Bay Area convention, and and I remember seeing, like, you know, I guess that was the first time I'd seen toys on the aftermarket, if that makes any sense. Like, it was, like, one of those things where it's like, oh, these are boxed, and they cost this, and it was almost like, 
holy crap, like, you know, you can still buy this stuff, you know, like, it was kind of, like, crazy, and, and I remember, like, we bought a few of them, but it was this weird thing where my mom's like, well, you gotta keep them in the package, and it's kind of like, what? Like, what? <laughs> I wanna you know, play so, with <laughs> So, yeah, and it was like, because, you know, it was like one of those things where, you know, you paid, like, a for the time, I mean, you paid a lot more money than you would have paid in a store for that kind of toy, so it was like, oh, it's a collectible, and I, I remember that was the first time I saw that there were when when you got them in America in the stores, they were on the standard cardstock, but I guess in in some places they had like those skinny cardstocks where it was just the bubble and a little bit of cardboard on top. And I remember that's that's how she bought some collectibles of like I, I, she basically bought uh, like a sealed Batman and Robin you know for me with with those you know where I was like oh okay like these are these are sealed or whatever and stuff like that so but but yeah I, I mean it was one of those weird experiences kind of realizing like oh you can get like toys on the you know like I mean I I don't even know if I fully grasped what was going on but it was like one of those things where I was just like oh well the, you can get these somewhere after all you know what I mean like they're not just totally you know I I guess sometimes you thought like if it was gone from Toys R Us it, it was like it was like gone forever like they they were you could never get it ever again and that was when I kind of dawned on me that that wasn't exactly true so yeah I will I will, I will say one thing before we move on. Um, I know you're also a big fan of this line, Derek, but since we are talking DC, I will give DC a lot of props because Superpowers was definitely a lot more fun and exciting a uh, toy line than uh, Secret Wars. Yeah, I mean, normally people people point to Superpowers. I mean, the sculpts were better, and because it was Kenner rather than Mattel, like, there wasn't... I'm, I'm not going to say there was no reuse in Superpowers, but there there, there were a lot more dedicated sculpts i think in superpowers whereas secret wars generally was the same body with you know maybe some different you know gloves and the head and things like that so and also like as far as gimmicks go superpowers totally beat the crap out of like stupid shields yeah yeah that is true i mean uh, you know i i I like both lines but but yeah that's you know the, the the action features and stuff were were pretty cool especially like you're saying like things you know the extra things like besides just you know, punching and moving and kicking and all that kind of stuff. You know, you had like the light piping and Orion was kind of like Manny faces where, you know, his, he had his good face and then he twirled around and he had his sort of apocalyptic evil face and everything. And, you know, you had like the different little arms for cyborg or the, the, the robot face for cyclotron, you know, plastic man's neck could extend and come out and everything like that. So yeah, there were plenty of, extra cool features that were, you know, for the most part, they were comic accurate. I think Yeah, yeah. the reason why people react so negatively to Secret Wars is because it's that, you know, gut nerd reaction of, you know, Captain America's shield doesn't fucking make little fady translucent things. <laughs> you know, like, the you know, and it's like, it's like, what the fuck does Doom need with the shield like that? You know, like that, I think that's why that has such a, I, I don't think it's like the most awful play feature in the world, but I, I think in terms of like a comic fan who's actually getting into it for a nostalgic reason, you, you kind of start to wonder like, what the fuck does Magneto need with a laser pistol? You know, like things yeah, like that. Yeah, I was that, about to say, like, yeah, that was another thing, like superpowers is really good about uh, accurate weapons, like Hawkman had his mace and you know, Green Lantern. Didn't Green Lantern come with, like, a small power battery? Yes, he did. 
Yeah. And then, like I said, Magneto has a, a double-barreled laser gun. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's like everybody had the double-barreled laser gun, you know? So it's like they, yeah. there was lots of reuse going on in that case. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the the thing that I'm I'm finding unfortunate is, you know, there there were those those reports. And if you look online, there's, like, lots of sites that detail you know, what could have happened for the future of the line. There's certainly photos of unproduced items. Like they had, you know, the, the dark side, like, you know, base of operations or whatever, where it was like dark sides, huge, like head and stone. And they had little guys on the turret, but not really. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, that was supposed to be released, but just never got released. And then, and then there were, you know, was a fabled fourth line where it was supposed to have a bunch of different characters and stuff like that. And that never, uh, actualized, which was something I think, speaking of that gap between like 86 and 89, like that was something that we always fantasized. I mean, I know I fantasized about it and, and my friends did too, where you, you would think like, I think if you ever thought of, like, oh, if they made a new line of Secret Wars or they made a new line of superpowers, like, for some reason, I would always envision the characters looking like they did. Like, I don't think I ever envisioned a Marvel character looking like a Kenner superpowers toy. It was always one or the other. Like, if I I had visions of, like, Spider-Man and his amazing friends as, as toys, I would think of them as, like, Secret Wars looking toys. But if I had visions of say, you know, Superman in his gladiatorial outfit from Action Comics Annual 2, which which I did when I was a kid. You know, I wanted yeah. him to, you know, I wanted to squeeze his legs together and him to, like, raise his hand and go, my name is Superman and I do not kill, or whatever, yeah. you know. Or, or, or like Guy that. Gardner or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah or whoever. Like, I, I envisioned it like uh, like a superpowers toy and stuff. So so that was that was stuff that, that I guess carried over for a long time. And and it's kind of interesting because the, the molds, I guess we'll, we'll move on at this point, but the, the molds they ended up using in the, the toy biz lines were, were pretty similar. I mean, they did not have the same action features. They were not quite as good as the superpowers toys. In some cases, people would say they're, they're vastly inferior. I do remember being quite excited and and I guess you know Tony's kind of spoiled it, but I was I was very very excited because I had heard rumors. I you know my cousin had told me, and and I had heard in in some you know probably magazines or something there was going to be a new DC Comics toy line, and Lex Luthor was going to be in his business suit. And I know I know you're thinking like why would a kid be excited about Lex Luthor in his business suit? But like I've been reading like the John Byrne like you know uh, Carrie Gamble like all that Superman stuff for a really long time. So in my mind I had this vision of like Lex Luthor in a black suit with like a metallic hand because you know that was at the point in the comics where his you know, his hand had just eroded because he'd been wearing the kryptonite ring for so long and the radiation, like, screwed up his hand and everything. And so I was like, oh, man, this is going to be rad. It's going to be like Lex, and he's going to be in his black suit, and he's going to have his metal hand. It's going to be all badass. And then what actually was released was kind of the character design from the Ruby Spears animated series. So he kind of had his, like, blue sports blazer or whatever and his little i don't know ascot or whatever you want to call it and (laughs) you know he had the kryptonite ring 
And I guess the idea was it was supposed to be like a superpowers gimmick where, you know, his hand would punch. And and I guess the idea was it was supposed to be like maybe he would punch Superman with the kryptonite ring because he had the kryptonite ring like Superman would fall over or whatever, right? But what was actually going on is you'd flick a switch and the way his hand was positioned, it was kind of a bent arm. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was in a position where... He looked like he was actually punching anything because the hand would go straight up into his forehead. So the only thing he was fucking punching was himself. So like that that figure's pretty infamous to me. It's like I will stop you, Superman, and he hits his own head and falls over or whatever. Because that's basically what it was. And that that figure was pretty horrible for standing up. Like he came with a gun and a little briefcase, but. I mean, usually the legs on most of the figures of that line, like at least the Lex Luthers, were always warped. So, I, you know, lots of luck trying to get that version of Lex Luthor to stand up. Um, I did mention how there was like a Toy Biz Riddler. So that was something that was like pretty like, oh, cool. Like, because I don't think any of us in the States knew about the Super Amigos Riddler, or at least I didn't when I was collecting superpowers. So the idea that they were doing more characters than had been done with Secret Wars. I mean, I, I just kind of viewed that line as like a supplement to my superpowers collection that was not complete. So the fact that they released Mr. Freeze, uh, you know, to, in my mind, again, it's like, oh, well, I never got to get Mr. Freeze the first time he came out as part of the superpowers line, but I could get him as part of this Toy Biz line. So... It was like one of those kind of for for me it was like a win win type thing you know I was I was kind of excited about the Batman movie and all the toy biz stuff I ordered all those Batman toys from the little Batman Warner Brothers catalog if you guys remember that yeah I remember that yeah it was like there was all this kind of Batman crap in this catalog and and, and they had like the Batcave. I can just picture young Derek being like, oh, shit, Bob the Goon. Yeah, I was like, Bob the Goon. And uh, Well, you know what's funny about that is I was waiting, like, as Justin might say, forevers for that shit to show up in the mail. Like, this wasn't like Amazon Prime where two days later I had the Batcave and, and all the Toy Biz figures. It was like... Oh, yeah, they, they were like four to six weeks for delivery. Yeah, and it's like, and then, like, five months later you got them, you know? And and it was like, it was like, I to tell you how long I was waiting... Like, uh, these these are up on DeviantArt, if anybody wants to have a yuck and look at my poor chicken scratch drawings when I was a little kid. But while I was waiting for these at, like, 10 or 11 or whatever, I was drawing comics. And at the time, in my mind, in my brain, I was like, I can only draw comics of toys that I own. So I started drawing this storyline where... I was trying to make a custom of Mr. Miracle out of an extra Superman figure I had, and it turned out pretty horrible, but but at the time, I was like, well, eventually I will have Mr. Miracle, and eventually I will have the Toy Biz Batman. So it's like, Mr. Miracle and the Toy Biz Batman get abducted by parademons at the beginning of the comic, and they were supposed to come back when Batman finally showed up in the mail. But by that point, like, it had taken so long, like, that comic was long since abandoned. But in my head, <laughs> like, it was going to be this epic story where, like, you know, basically, like, you know, all, all I would see in New Gods is Darkseid 
like resurrecting people with his omega beams and everything and like the sod was like turned to ash and then all of a sudden like dark side would just zap him again and all this weird shit would happen and all of a sudden the sod was alive again so i was like dude jason todd's got this shit covered so it wasn't like the lazarus pit but i was already bringing back jason todd like way back then when i was like 10 because i was like oh man we got this and it was like it was like gonna be this scene where like batman's like wait a minute we gotta go back and have dark side like resurrect Jason, you know whatever. And that was my stupid little kid story. So, but yeah, that that was all stuff that sort of came out of playing with uh, the DC superheroes toy biz line and the the Batman eighty nine toy biz figures and stuff like that. Well, I, I really think toy biz was kind of doing a preemptive strike. They were like they knew the Batman movie was going to come out and they knew. There was a good chance it was going to be a hit. I mean, nobody knew it was going to be as big as it was. But I, I think they were trying to strike gold early. I think they did. I think they did a good job on that because even to this day, I really don't differentiate their DC line, which there was one. It was a DC line. But I really do just lump it in with the Batman movie line that they had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were, they were all kind of the same basic figures. Like we said, the, the action features were not quite the same. It's not like Superman punched like he did in the Superpowers line. It was this weird thing where there was a magnet inside Superman's chest, and then it, it came with, like, a one-to-one scale kryptonite ring that you were supposed to put on your finger, and there was a magnet in that as well. So, and there were opposites. So, like, when you, when you placed the kryptonite ring up to Superman, he would, like, fucking fall over because of the the magnetic uh, repulsion or whatever. So, And hey, if you guys ever want to have a weird, disfigured Jack Nicholson figure, Toy Biz is your guy. <laughs> well, that, that one, that one, it was funny because its action feature was like, he had the little lapel with the flower, and then you would fill up this tank of plastic thing with, with water and stick a tube in the back, and then when you would squirt it, like the water would come through the flower, but it was supposed to be like, Joker acid or whatever, like that was the the action feature and stuff. And then of course Bob the Goon with his his awesome kick, his kick of nefarious evil or whatever. You, know? you will like Prince, yeah, yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> so you know, yeah. The only thing I really remember about them, I, I didn't have a lot of those because I was much like I was thirteen at the time, and while it was cool to wear Batman T-shirts, I was at that age where you're not supposed to collect toys. You're you're a teenager now and all that shit. But I did get the Batman, and he was like a mixed bag. It was like, I really liked that the sculpt was pretty good. Even back then, Toy Biz was doing pretty good on sculpting. But the thing was, is like the way the arms were proportioned, he had they were like bent at the elbow, so he looked like he had little like Tyrannosaurus arms. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're saying. And then and then he also suffered that early Kenner Han Solo syndrome, where there were like multiple heads. So yeah, what I remember he, happening was. I waited so long for that damn Warner Brothers catalog stuff to ship. I think I made some kind of trade where I got a broken 89 Batman where the belt was broken off. And so I used that for a long time. And when the figures finally showed up, I think I just kept the Batmans in the package because one had a kind of like, I I guess I'd say a square jaw. And then the other one kind of had a rounded face. Yeah, more more Michael Keaton, yeah. Yeah, so so it was like I, I even noticed there were like two different versions of of Batman, you know, even though it's you know basically the same toy and everything. So there were there were those. Did did you ever like I know you're saying you saw a bunch of uh superpower stuff, Mike, but did you ever run into any of those D C Toy Biz <laughs> superhero guys or the, the Batman stuff that Toy Biz um, produced? 
Yeah, I had some Batman Returns figures. I think. I think. Like, I think uh, by I then it was it was Kenner. So. I think Kenner. Yeah. I think oh, okay. As soon as like the animated series hit, they, the Kenner got the license. Yeah. So it's like because yeah, it's, it's like after that, like after after eighty nine by nineteen ninety, Kenner had. I'll, I'll just go into this real quick, and then you can explain like what kind of guys you had. But uh, in nineteen ninety, Kenner did the Dark Knight collection. And then I think '91 they had a Swamp Thing line, which we can talk about a little later. But and then by 1992, that's when they had Batman Returns and Batman the Animated Series. So go ahead, Mike. What what uh, what Batman Returns guys did you have? I think uh, I'm pretty sure I only, as far as figures go, I, I only I think I had like the standard Batman. Where you could like pull his like belt buckle out, and it would it was attached to a string, and then like it it would like retract when you yeah, let it go. Yeah, that, I think and that, then, that was from the Dark Knight collection, I think. Yeah, and then like I had the Batmobile, like that was like one of my big gifts, like at Christmas one year. And it was the Batmobile that like you'd hit the button, and like the two sides would like oh, wow. pop out. Oh, yeah. It would it would be the middle like. Bat missile or whatever okay. it was, like he does in the movie. See, I, but, I I got stuck with the fucking shitty Toyvis Batmobile, so so I <laughs> I, I kind of wish I had the Kenner ones because those look pretty epic. But yeah, it was it was it was was yeah, it, it was a really uh, Toyvis one like a fucking convertible. Mm, it was it, it, the Toyvis one was weird. It's like it's like it had an open cockpit, so it wasn't really like the '89. Batmobile because there was no sliding cockpit or anything and then you know it just had a windshield and and it was open so you could stick the figure inside and then instead of having machine guns I guess it popped up and there were these like yellow missiles and stuff and then it was trying to replicate the I guess uh I don't know what you call it the the you know Security of the Batmobile, you know how like in yeah, those... wasn't it just like a fucking plastic shell you plopped? Yeah, on top? yeah, it was this black plastic shell, and you just stuck it on top of it, and it was supposed to be like the the it replicate that that uh, security feature or whatever. But yeah, I never I never had any of the the uh, Keaton Batmobile stuff from the Kenner lines, but I know those usually command like high prices on the aftermarket and are yeah generally like... thought of as really good Batmobiles. Yeah, like the the one I had from Returns, like I I remember enjoying having a lot of fun. Like I only had that and like a, the standard Batman. So, but that's really like all I needed. Like I could use my imagination, like and stuff. And like he's fighting, or you know, I'd probably get like Ninja Turtles or like whatever else to for him to like go like track down and drive around and chase after in his Batmobile. But all right, Leatherhead, you're playing Killer Croc this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. But uh, I, I think like the one I can just remember he had yeah he had like two like sort of sort of like you described the flip up like missile launchers on either side and then it, it would you'd press a button and like the the two like sides of the car where the wheels were would eject and he'd have like that middle like part that could like you know go through narrower spaces and then the two halves could combine into like a like drone car or something like but. Yeah, it, it was a good toy. That's yeah. like what I, I most. I have very vivid memories of it. Yeah, Kenner definitely showed off their like Star Wars knowledge as far as making cool vehicles. Yeah, they 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 had a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I I kind of I 
I th- this is the part where it's like just just to touch on it because I imagine maybe you guys didn't collect this at all, but I I always loved Swamp Thing and even that line though it was based on the the cartoon and everything. I I got Snare Arm Swamp Thing, which is something I I later reacquired. You know, just considering it part of the sort of Kenner superpowers line, almost the way it's feature worked and stuff. But there were tons of other different versions of Swamp Thing. And then he had two buddies, and I never, I never really got into that. It was like it was like the only other guy I considered like sort of valid because by that point I was this this you know comic book kid, and I was like I'm not having this bullshit. Like I don't know who these guys are, and it was like Arcane and his unmen. But like I figured Arcane was legitimate enough. So when I was a kid, it was like Snarearm Swamp Thing and Arcane were kind of like an offshoot of of having superpowers toys. Cause I was like, well, Arcane's like a real, you know, I was like, he's quote unquote real, you know? So I, I yeah. felt okay. I felt justified in getting Arcane. Wasn't he kind of like a bat creature? Yeah. It, well, no, there it, it's weird. Like they, they basically the way they did the unmen stuff was they were all guys in these little suits and everything. And then you would stick something on top of their head. And I think Arcane was more like a purple spidery thing. Uh, oh, okay. one of one of the unmen though did like you'd stuck like some kind of bat like thing on his head. So like they all had different. That's kind of confused, yeah. Yeah, they they all had different sort of features and stuff like that. So that that's basically you know kind of what they did. But you know in terms of Kenner having vehicles, like they had all this kind of like I, I forget exactly what they were called, but you know it was like Bayou Jacks, like you know Bayou Mobile or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah, like the you swamp. Know, like, or something like that, buggy, yeah. you know, like shit like that. And, and basically like at this point, this is where, you know, Derek fell trapped to the, the overload of Batman returns Batman and decided he was going to buy them all. Like, so it was like, at this point I was buying like every, every friggin' street luge Batman there was from the Batman returns line. So, and then unfortunately by the time the animated series came out, I was so burnt out on, on Batman figures that I, basically skipped the Batman the Animated Series line. And, of course, that bit me in the ass because all those figures ended up commanding a bunch of high after prices. And then when I got into it, it was like, oh, man, I got paid, like, 90 bucks for Penguin? Like, what? Yeah, yeah, especially (laughs) the villains. The villains were so short-packed. They are so hard to get, you know. Of course. Likewise. You got it. Same here. You'd think one of us would have got him by now. Yeah, did did you guys I know I know Mike said he had the couple Batman Returns villains, but I mean by this point, Tony, were you kinda like out of the game where you just kinda saw him and went, Oh, that's kinda cool and then you walked on, or did you ever get into any of this kind of payday of, of Batman stuff? Um, I well yeah, I was very like hit or miss like back then. I had definitely fallen off the toy radar. I was still reading comic books and stuff, which you know is always good. But uh, yeah, I didn't have any Swamp Thing. Pretty sure I didn't have any Batman Returns. Um, I don't know if we're going to wait until we get to when those movies go on, but I did actually have some uh, Batman Forever stuff. Okay, yeah, I, I had some. I, I actually had some of like all these lines, which is you know kind of like, I guess that's part of doing the show, because I was like, oh, okay, I, I've owned a lot of this stuff, but, um, you know, as as a kid or whatever. But I, I was just curious, though, Mike, did you, because I, I know you're kind of, I, I'd say you're a pretty big fan of Batman the Animated Series. I mean, is part of that the toy line at all, or is that something that you just kind of watched and read? 
I had like a, a standard sort of Batman from the animated series, like a, as as the, standard the, as you could find. Probably what, like the combat belt Batman or whatever. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was normal looking basically because yeah, I that remember was it, what everybody wants. Yeah, because he looks like Batman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I remember I used to give him the Batman Returns cape because that one was cloth, and I think the animated series one was just a one like fixed piece of plastic. So. I'm trying to think. Like, I know my cousins like had like uh, various guys. Uh, I think they had like Man Bat and like like I, I definitely can believe what you're saying that the villains were like short packed because I don't remember like playing with a lot of the villains at all. Yeah, I mean like, they they were always short packed. I mean, you talk about this is when I first learned about scalpers because. I really was like, I want Bane. Like, they made a Bane figure. And it was, like, super exciting, right? And you would go to, like, Target or Gemco or whatever the fuck it was called, and I have this distinct fucking memory. I was so pissed. Because you would have these mounds and mounds and mounds of street luge bat fuck Batman on the pegs or whatever, <laughs> right? And And there was one villain, right? And so I, I distinctly remember following, you know, going down the toy aisle and seeing some guy, like, already looking. And it was, you know, uh, if I was 12, you know, this guy was, you know, in his 20s or 30s, right? And and I was just like, I remember seeing this dude, and it was like, do 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 pluck, Bane. He got it. And I was just like, you fucking prick. I was like, I was so close, so <laughs> you know, I, I was, was doing my Megatron. Oh, you fucking prick in the toilet! <laughs> my, my my Beast Wars Megatron fucking rant or whatever, because I was I was so fucking mad. I was like, I couldn't believe he took fucking Bane, and it's not like there was like other Banes there. It was like no, there was just a bunch of turquoise blue fucking Batmans, you know. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, like this sucks, you know. I don't. I I guess I'm like almost guilty of that because I remember like later on, like years later. Um, when the new animated series episodes, the Red Sky episodes were airing, like, like I, I used to be reading, I, I think I must have been reading Toy Fair by that point, because, like, they'd say, like, these are the hottest figures, like, around, like, these w are what the rarest ones are, and I remember going into, like, a CVS or Walgreens and finding, like, the Tim Drake Robin, and that was, like, the number one toy of the month, and I'm like, oh, I'm totally buying that. And, like, I bought it, and I left him in package, and, like, I think he's still in package, but he's in storage, like, somewhere, and I was like, I never sold him, I never did anything with him. I doubt he's worth anything now. But yeah, that's funny. I was like, whenever I, I have a this is where he's going to college on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I was like, this will be worth something someday. Like, yeah, it's funny how, like, you start talking about the toy lines and then they flow into, like, all the other toy lines. Because then if you if you talk about Batman the Animated Series, you start talking about all the Red Sky stuff. And then there was the, the Kenner Superman the Animated Series. Like, I mean, I pretty much kept up with those until they started doing Justice League toys. So, yeah. I mean, that that's pretty much my track record with that. Like, I had a lot of the, I mean, I even bought, like, you know, Superman in space suit, Superman in diving suit, you know, all that fucking bullshit. Um, I, know you, I know you had conduit. I Well, that, that's another good thing to bring up, because in 95, right. they actually did the Kenner Man of Steel line. Now, that's something I was actually, I, I mean, in the back of my head, I was, like, contemplating, maybe I should reacquire that line, because that's, like, it's it's kind of rare because it's it's a Superman line, but it's comic accurate, and it's not really based on any 
toy, you know, it's not based on any cartoon or anything that they were, I mean, it's, it's really, it just comes out of the popularity of the Death of Superman storyline. Yeah, I, so, I think they were plugging into that, yeah. You know, cool. like, and, and it was something that was, like, straight out of the comics, which is kind of, doesn't really happen that often these days. You know, usually you have to have some kind of movie or cartoon tie-in to, to sort of, you know, get those kind of figures into a retail store. But uh, I, the, the only thing I own right now from the, the Kenner Man of Steel line is I did reacquire the Kryptonian battle suit because, you know, in the back of my head, I'm thinking if I ever get around to doing some kind of customized Fortress of Solitude diorama or get some guy to make one for me, like that would be a good piece to to have yeah, in your that, that's solitude. like a vehicle, vehicle scale like toy right it was yeah like yeah it was like you just you know you put the the guy in the little you know suit or whatever but it's it's pretty huge i mean it's about like you know i don't know it, it, it's about 12 or more inches i mean it's pretty tall so i do i do remember owning conduit but like i, don't I think, think i think I conduit was the dark side of that line or the lex Luthor or whatever yeah like he yeah. was he was definitely the peg warmer um you know they they had they had you know your long haired mullet hippie Superman hair version and the the you know death suit where he was getting all the solar energy and stuff like that. Um, the Eradicator was a was a mail away. Sorry, what, what were you saying, Tony? I said I know they had Steel. I definitely remember Steel. Yeah, there were there were two different versions of Steel. There was a deluxe figure and then there was the standard figure. They had Superboy. The the Eradicator was actually a mail away figure from Wizard. Like, if I tried to rebuild that collection today, I don't think he'd be super expensive, but I think he'd be one of the ones where it's like, oh, man, I got to pay how much for that fucking toy? You know, like, like I got to pay 20 bucks for that? What? You know, like that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> or the worst, you got to do some digging since he was like Yeah, a yeah, yeah, he was a mail-order guy. I mean, I, I owned all those, you know, at the time, but they, they all kind of did not survive the Great Purge or whatever, you know, and, and now I'm kind of like, oh, those were pretty cool, you know? Like, I mean, even the Lex Luthor, I, I, I mean, let me put it this way. If I was majorly disappointed in the punch-yourself toy biz like Lex Luthor, the Lex Luthor in that line, he was like the... Like, I just sold my soul to Neuron. Like, I got a cool-looking body, Luthor. Like, that was a cool Luthor figure. And he had, like, this little weird buggy jumpsuit thing or whatever. But, like, just the straight-up... He was, like, Luthor in some army pants and, like, had the little brown vest. Like, he was straight out of Underworld Unleashed. I was like, this is badass. I like this Luthor. Like, I was I was excited about, like, that line, you know, in and of itself. Like, I thought it was a really cool line. You know, it had, like, pretty much almost everybody from the Death of Superman, I think, except for, like, the Cyborg Superman. And it was like, yeah. the, you know, the, the two packs had, like, Doomsday with the Hunter Prey armor, and um, it was Massacre from that, like, Trial of Superman storyline. So... Um, I'll, I'll mention... Uh, another line, and then I'm going to go into another line that I know we're going to make fun of. But uh, I mentioned Batman Forever, and that was around this time. Uh, one thing I just want to mention is there was a Batmobile and a Batwing from that movie, <laughs> and I had heard—I could be wrong—but I heard that like the designs were like inspired by H.R. Giger, and they definitely look very techno organic looking, which I, is what I really like. Yeah, I had that Batmobile. I mean, I think I think what's odd is I I, I managed to like, get burnt out with the Batman Return stuff, and then I had to catch up on the Batman the Animated Series stuff. But then I think by that point, it was like, 
I, I was a little more focused. Like, I didn't buy all the different Street Luge versions of Batman for Batman Forever. You know, it wasn't like all the Street Luge bat nipples or whatever the figures were. But, like, anybody who I thought was, like, a prominent part of the movie, like, whether it was from Batman Forever or Batman and Robin, like, I, I did try to get those. You know, like the Two-Face and the Riddler and guys like that. Yeah, I just remember the Batwing was fucking huge, and it was really cool. I, I I don't know where it went. It got lost in a move or something, because this is, like, late 90s. But I still wish I had that thing. That thing was badass. That might be one of, that might be one of those things I would like to reacquire someday. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do recall having, like, a fun little movie setup where I would use, like, I think it was, like, Shadow Wing Batman was, like, from the Legends of the Dark Knight line, and he was, like, the my de facto... Or maybe Shadow Whip Batman. I don't know. Thunder Whip Batman. One one of those Batmans, but he kind of basically, except for the stupid little whip that he twirled around in his hand, like he looked like, you know, the Keaton Kilmer ish Batman, you know. So that was like my Batman. But then I think I had like Catwoman and Penguin, which was funny because the Penguin from the Batman Returns line looked nothing like Danny DeVito. He was just like a repaint. Of, of the, the superpowers figure. Oh, superpowers! Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. but he was instead of being in like purple pants and and a blue little tux, he w- he basically he was colored all black and he had like red trim with the red bow tie and red cummerbund and everything. But yeah, and not like a rainbow colored umbrella. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like kind of like red and white or something like that. But, but yeah, I remember trying to put all those like movie looking guys together. You know, I think it was like, I used, you you know, what's funny is the toy biz Joker. Now that I'm thinking about it, didn't look a thing like Jack Nicholson, but I I always thought the legends of the dark Knight line Joker that had that little helicopter, like he looked more like Jack Nicholson than, than, um, than the Toy Biz one, which is what well, I that's used why, to That's why I said he was this figure, Jack Nicholson. He was supposed to be Jack Nicholson, but they just kind of... Right, right. But, but yeah, it's like, it was like the, the one that was in the helicopter, the little helicopter backpack, he looked more like Jack Nicholson, I think. And I remember he was in my movie setup. And then it was like, I had to buy like two Mr. Freezes, I think, because... I think the first one I bought, I thought was like the most definitive looking one. But then I think a few like waves later they came out with a deluxe version where I was like, Oh shit, that looks exactly like the one from the movie. He was the one with like the butterfly backpack. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and I was like, Oh, I have to get that one. Cause he looks just like the one from the movie, you know, like as opposed yeah, to the, the one I, one I think like, the, the first one is like, he came with like a little like race he had, car he had lame, or something. He had like that lame, like ghostbusters twirly thing. Yeah. Yeah. And he had these weird, like, yeah, it was, the colors were all off and yeah. So, but I was like, Oh, I guess that's the only one, you know, like, and then I was like, they were like, that's this weird ghostbusters twirly thing. <laughs> you are a sucker and you bought me twice. <laughs> Good to tickle you, bad man. I did want to mention Batman forever. Cause like, this is definitely the same time frame. I'm pretty sure. But um, and I I I know Derek probably is aware of the line. He might have wanted to skip it though. But uh, this is also around the time Total Justice came out. No, actually, like I was I was pretty on board for Total Justice. Really cool I mean, because because a lot of those early figures were quote unquote comic accurate. I mean, as far as I was concerned, I was like they were very nineties. Yeah, they were very. You know 90s. what I mean? Like I was like, oh, I get to get a Kyle Rayner figure and a Wally West figure and a. Hookham, Aquaman, like, I I was, yeah, I mean, they weren't really articulated very well. I mean, they were more like, you know, stack 
stacks almost with a, a little bit of posability, but a lot, um, a lot of people like to make fun of the uh, armor tech gimmick. Well, they have. but but that's what's funny about it. It's like people like to make fun of it, but it's like, what did you do? I when basically when I owned them and I was like comic, it, it was kind of like the way I treated Darkseid Superpower Cape once I read the comics. It was like, oh yeah, these fractal things. Okay, goodbye. Like here's the figure. You know what I mean? It was like that. Yeah. It's it's like the way people are yeah, like oh, fractal that, armor. That's what it's that, called. Yeah, that, that goes in the fodder box. You know, the fractal armor. You know, like nobody gives a shit about that. You know, but I, I think maybe like with Batman, I use the fractal armor because I thought maybe he should use it to like fight the fucking predator or something. Mm-hmm. But other than yeah. that, like I, I don't think I did much with the fractal armor. You know, the the thing that sucked about that dark side though is you couldn't take off that ugly fucking claw that was like attached to his hand. Do you remember that? Yeah, I'm gonna grab you. I'm gonna grab you. <laughs> yeah, the, the only problem I have with Total Justice, it wasn't so much that they weren't articulated. And it's not that they didn't look good. The sculpting was really good. I love the sculpting. They they did a good job on that. Uh, the problem is the poses they put him in were very awkward. <laughs> well, yeah, they, yeah. They, they were in these like hyper like stressed poses or whatever where legs spread and knees bent yeah like going they they were in like dream wave crouches like, yeah like, yeah yeah they were great for displaying i mean but yeah, yeah they, they were they were kind of that, that's what i mean by saying they were stacks because it was like they were almost kind of like pre-posed you know it's like what 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 else are you going to do with them you know it's like it's not like if you if you articulated kyle rayner it's like well, his ring is pointing to the right, and his whole body is pointing to the right. It doesn't really matter if you turn his head to the left. He's still, the rest of his body is pointing to the fucking right. Like, there's, you can't really get past that part of it, you know? I, I, will, I will give Total Justice one thing, definitely. Uh, as far as I know, I'm, I'm digging in my memory here, I do believe it's the first time we got Huntress in uh, toy form. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. They, they had, yeah, so there's... Yeah, they had Huntress, and then it's funny when they started calling it like JLA because I think KB started doing a bunch of like color repacks and different things. Yeah, like yeah, that. without practical armor too. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like they just called it JLA. So it was like I remember there were things that I totally passed on, like all the the hard light versions of the Justice League, which were supposed to be like the Injustice Gang, and I think it was like they they made versions of Impulse and Superboy and Robin for like Young Justice and. They, they, they seem to make a lot more of them. I know, I pretty much think I was into that, like, that first wave where it was, like, Despero and Darkseid were, like, the bad guys, and then it was, like... Yeah, that was the Despero from uh, Task Force, too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, that armor design, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a bad line. It was just, I, just, I just know a lot of collectors don't like it. I didn't have a problem with it myself. So. I don't think it's anything I would revisit, but I... I mean, I certainly was into it at the time and have fond memories of it. It was like superpowers. You got a lot of guys you never got before. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think always... I think I think at that point in time, like I I don't know if it was around the same time or a little later, but by the time the DC versus Marvel comic came out, I had this weird obsession with trying to replicate the matches from that. So I was excited that like you know, in the sense of the Kenner Man of Steel line, I had a Superboy figure to fight like my Ben Riley Spider Man. Whereas, yeah. you know, like the Aquaman figure could go up against my Fantastic Four Namor. You know, so it was like anything I could do to like replicate those. I didn't care what era they were from. I was just trying to sort of replicate those matches. So it was like basically total justice assisted with that. You know, it's like I could have Green Lantern fight like a Silver Surfer toy, you know, from Toy Biz or whatever, you know, so. 
Yeah, and and the big thing with Total Justice is after that, <clears throat> you know, I, I I hate to be like keep doing lead ins, but like you said, all the toy lines kind of mesh together at this point. Yeah, yeah, they do. It's like we had JLA or JLU, depending on what it was, but for a long fucking time, it was like Batman the animated series figures. You had a lot of the core characters, but you you you. It was so hard to get guys like Steel or you know, uh, I, I don't know, a Shining Knight, you know, or something like that. Friend, I am no mayor at auction. Oh, you mean for like the Mattel stuff when Mattel started yeah. doing it for Kenner? Yeah, because it's yeah. like it's like well, it's it's weird because those the the animated stuff was all in the mid '90s, and then you know, not to jump around too far, but I mean, j- just so people are aware. Like, then after, basically, Batman and Robin, like, that, that's kind of when DC Direct came into prominence. So, like, True. DC Direct is making all these, like, six-inch, seven-inch scale figures. And what's interesting is, even though now I'm a fairly huge collector in that scale, before that point, I had all these toys in a, you know, four- to five-inch scale. So, to me, it was kind of like, yeah, they look nice and everything, but they're so huge, like, to me at the time, they were like, they looked huge, so it wasn't like I bought very many of them. In fact, during that period of my collecting, the only thing I ever bought from DC Direct was an Alan Scott Green Lantern figure. And the only reason why I bought that was because I was going to a Halloween party, and I had that Green Lantern shirt that I wore in that retrovirus video that we did with RoboCop, and I was yeah. just going to be Green Lantern. But I needed a ring, and it was like, well, I couldn't find the Hal Jordan figure to get the right ring, but I was like, well, this is close enough, and I grabbed it for, like, Halloween costume almost, <laughs> you know, and that that's kind of like, I mean, later I, I, you know, to supplement, I guess, my DC Universe Classics collection, I did get a lot more DC Direct-type figures, but, I mean, basically, like, you didn't have very much animated stuff until... 1999 where you had like the Batman Beyond line and then then even like four years after that then you started getting all the Justice League stuff so there there was a time at retail where it was pretty much fucking Batman that's all you had yeah yeah I mean you know I'm I'm kind of just pretty sure Batman fan but like if you wanted like Superman or you wanted Flash you were kind of you know out out in the cold well, yeah. I mean it seems like pretty standard like where you know they went back and forth between Batman and Superman like they do with the direct to video stuff and then they kind of discovered Justice League was kind of popular so they tried to to make toys of that as well what I was wondering is I know Mike's a pretty big Batman Beyond fan was that anything that you had any interest in in terms of toy lines I saw like the first wave of those I saw and like I I don't know I I guess Whatever image I had in my head of what they could have been, like, like a, I, I, I don't know, I, I guess I just saw that they weren't very articulated, yeah. and I was like, uh, you know what, I, I can live without no, that. No, I, I can see that, because I, I remember the first one I bought was like how I described that Mr. Freeze figure, where it was like, oh, this is the closest thing to the Batman Beyond that's on the TV show, but it actually looked nothing like him, you know? Yeah. So it was like, for a long time, it was I like, remember. He had, like, that first one had these really ugly, like, big plastic red wings that you were, were supposed to be, like, his glider wings, but they looked, like, so awful, like, and they, like, huge and unwieldy the, that it was just, like, why even bother? Yeah, the, the one I had, it wasn't even black. Like, it was, it was, like, translucent blue or something. And I was like, well, that's the, clo-, to, at the time, I was like, well, that's the 
closest thing I can see that looks like like the didn't character. like also I remember like didn't he he come in in like a two pack with like Ace and Ace had like battle armor and a missile launcher <laughs> Robo Dog yeah wow no yeah. I I totally don't even remember that that must be yeah crazy. I'm pretty sure I remember that wow. but yeah and we we can like you know lament the fact that like uh, Batman anime series had pretty much all the villains they were just hard to get. But Batman Beyond got screwed on villains. There's like three or four villain figures. Well, I think it was like I, I remember having a blight. And there I was remember, a blight. Yeah. And I remember what? having like some kind of Joker gang member. You know, like one of the yeah. Jokers. the Jokers. And that, <laughs> and that that basically was what I remembered having. I I, I think by that point, like, because I I think somewhere around basically when did Episode Two come out? Like 2001. Batman Beyond. No, no, no. E- episode two, like Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. Oh, that's what we're talking about DC. Um, no, no, no I, we are. But, but in my in my yeah. head, that's the only way I can reference like that. I, I, yeah, say 2002. I think is when it came out. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like I think when that movie came out, like not only did it kill Star Wars for me, but like I think I think that's a good point to designate when I got very laissez faire and almost completely out of collecting toys. Like, yeah, people may, people may be shocked to know this, but for a very long time, Derek was not collecting jack shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean, I, I, I just, you know, not not that I hated it. It was just kind of like vicarious, like, oh, that looks cool, but, you know, I got other stuff to do, you know, like kind of thing. Yeah, so. you fell out of it. Yeah. I did want to mention one thing about DC Direct real quick before we move on. One of the things that really sucks about DC Direct, besides the fact I know you're not fond of some of the breakage that happens with them, um is, like, even back in the day, like, there would be a new, like, set comes out. Let's say the Teen Titans set with, like, Cyborg and, uh, I think it was, like, Raven, Nightwing, and, uh, maybe Jericho? I don't know. It was, like, a bunch of, like, well, it might have been Deathstroke. I don't know. There was a box set. I I think it had, like, a gold Cyborg and a white Raven, a Starfire, and, um... It was Changeling, and he, he, they had, yeah. like, an extra animal for him, like, where he could turn into, like, a green monkey, and then I think that was it. That, maybe there were five figures. I can't remember who the fifth one was, but... But, but yeah, but, like, it was so weird, because you, like, you were talking about, like, the aftermarket when you found out about it. It was, like, so horrible to go into a comic store, and, like, you know, because of Toy Fair, and, like, it's not Toy Fair's fault, but Toy Fair did kind of... Like just like Wizard used to do, they they kind of set the price just based on like their collector data. Yeah, and you would be like, oh, cool, Hawkwoman and Hawkman from like you know the Justice League days, like the the Super Friends days. You know, they look like the Silver Age versions. A hundred and twenty fucking dollars for a two pack. Yeah, see that that's kind of yeah that is pretty crazy where prices would get inflated like astronomically. I mean, even now, like I've I've gone back and bought some DC Direct figures just to supplement my my DC Universe Classics stuff, because they just never made certain characters. But I I, I try to avoid getting into, like, re- I mean, when it gets... I guess there's a cutoff point based on the quality, you know, like, where you can... There's certain things I've paid a high price for, but it's usually because it's been, like, that rare, and it's helping me complete an entire line. But... I, I don't know, like, D- DC Direct, I don't think I'd ever intend to or want to complete their entire run of characters. I think mostly it's just like, oh, well, they never made a Vixen in DC Universe Classics. 
you know, they never made an, uh, they've never made an Arisen. Legion of superhero guys. Yeah. 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 There's like, and, and I'm like, well, you know, it can't hurt to get these guys cause they, they never made them, you know, and then they're not going to make them because I mean, I guess this is like spoilers of this history, but like, you know, Mattel, you know, obviously was producing the justice league unlimited, like we were discussing. And then they got into the six inch stuff with the DC superheroes and the, DC Universe Classics lines, but, you know, as of, as of this recording and, and as of, you know, the end of 2014 when they released uh, Doomsday on the Maddie Collector site, like, that line is, uh, you know, finished. Done. It's done. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you know, there, there, there were points where I saw certain DC Direct and, and I guess now that, you know, it's called DC Collectibles Figures, and I'd be like, oh, should I buy that? And I would not because I was like, oh, one of these days maybe Mattel will make a version of it, you know. But by this but point now, now, yeah. now I, you know, now you kind of know, like, no, they probably won't. So it's like I might as well get this, uh, you know, Michael Turner looking vixen that I don't think looks, you know, it's not the greatest fit, but it's like it's better than not having any vixen, you know, yeah, to hang yeah. out with that's my yeah. my Boana beast or whatever, you know. So that's. Yeah, I, I was, um, we can totally go into DCUC um, because it, it is a really great line. But I did want to mention one thing about the JLU line. I was talking about, like, availability and stuff. Yeah, yeah. One of the biggest things that pissed me off about that fucking line is because uh, I know, Derek, you were, like, a, a decent fan of the JLA, JLU cartoon. You were like, you know, eh, it's all right. Some of it you know, I can take or leave. I really enjoyed it, and there were some characters I really wanted in that style. But it was always like... Hey, you want, like I said, like, just say, for example, you wanted Shining Knight, or you wanted, uh, like, you know... Well, shit, well wasn't that, that typical Maddie stuff, where, like, they would... It's like, oh, you really want Shining Knight? Well, guess what? you got to buy, like, Superman Red and Amanda Waller with Shining Knight in a three-pack or something. Yeah, well, not even that. It would just be, like, Superman and Wonder Woman, and, like, they were, like, individual figures from, like, two years ago that they're just rehashing, so you mm-hmm. get this three-pack... And you're just like fucking a man. I don't. I don't want eight Superman or like three Wonder Woman just to have you know Firestorm or something. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I remember those those seeing those you know in stores and stuff like that. But it just wasn't my. I, I yeah. I, I. You know, we we've talked about this before, but you know, the Justice League stuff is good to a point, but it wasn't, there's a lot of stuff about that that I was grumpy about and it wasn't quite my bag. So, and by that point I was sort of long out of toys anyway. So it wasn't anything I, I, you know, occasionally I would see something like, and go like you were saying like, Oh, firestorm, that's neat. You know, like, but other than that, and it's like, but not neat enough to buy like, you know, Superman and wonder woman colored in like pink tutus or whatever repack they were doing, you know? So, yeah, it was it was definitely like a pain in the ass. Was was there anything during that era you like, Mike? I know we haven't really touched base with you. This was kind of me and Derek's like era of like either bitching or enjoying. So, was there anything from like this timeline, like from uh, DC Direct or JLA, JLU after Batman Beyond? I don't think so. I don't think there's anything I owned from this point on. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, so you, I'm, I'm just curious. Because that's the reason to talk. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just curious. Like, I, I know occasionally you you mentioned, like, oh, you know, some of these six-inch Batman figures or something you'd have some interest in, maybe. But you've never actually, like, bought any, like, six-inch kind of DC guys to kind of hang out with your Marvel Legends or anything like that? 
No, not th- I mean, there's been times I've been tempted. Like, there's been cool stuff, like, or when when there's been, like, specific, like, you know, I, I like it when they do a figure based on, like, a certain artist's, like, uh, interpretation and stuff. Like, okay. I mean, there have been times when I've been in the, like, toy store or the collectible store where I picked up one and I would be, be like, you know, like, maybe I should buy this. But then I'd, like, uh, uh, inevitably say, nah, I don't really want it. But... Yeah, I mean, it, like I've seen, I've seen stuff like you know Jim Lee's like Hush line and stuff, yeah. and like I've almost bought like the Batman and the Huntress from that line, and then like you know yeah, just uh, various other like storylines where I would yeah, be I forgot, like oh that would I forgot the artist, but what was that guy who does like very anime style who did Batman Superman? Ed McGinnis. Or? Ed McGinnis, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I I I'd pick up those like and say, oh, that looks kind of cool, but I don't know. It's just I never ended up getting them, basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm gonna do this just for Derek, um, because he he suggested this topic, and me and Mike were definitely in, but I want to give him his 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 proper introduction. I guess now we're gonna like talk at length, uh, probably about your favorite line, aren't we, Derek? We're gonna talk about DCUC the. Fucking juggernaut! They made a lot of cool figures. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that, that's kind of I, 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 we, we don't have to spend forever talking about it, but I, I, that's kind of what got me back into collecting. Like, I, I think uh, we can all blame our, our buddy Martz on the Botuk boards because I, I was sort of vicariously living through some of his pictures and posts for a long time, and would kind of look and go, "Oh, those are kind of cool." Like that Legion box set is pretty sweet looking, you know. Like I would see stuff like that. And I guess at some point, like, I got this crazy notion in my head of, you mean I can make the Legion of Doom? Like, <laughs> and I was, like, I was, like, all, like, excited about that. And and I foolishly went on eBay, and I think I bid on, like, uh, a DCUC Lex Luthor from the Gotham 5-pack and won that. And then all of a sudden, I was, like, bidding on fucking Solomon Grundy, you know? And it was just, like, then after that, I guess it was all over with because I, I went down to the local store, and before those were even mailed to me, I grabbed a Firestorm and a, a Superman from the, you know, DCUC line. And, you know, the rest of that, I mean, is just kind of history. I mean, I just in, went in to a town. Where you were balls deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just, like, getting, getting them, every, you know, every other you know, week I would have a wave of them shipped to me because I'd, I'd get them on eBay or big bad or, or whatever was, you know, and, and this is long after most people had gone through their growing pains with the company. I mean, there, there's lots of stuff I read about people complaining about certain products that weren't delivered to expectation or certain things that they were mad about, like say certain Walmart exclusive waves being a pain in the ass to get. But honestly, like, by the time I started doing this, I think the subscription was in its second year at the Maddie Collector site. So it was like 2012 or 2013. I don't know. It was it it was not very long ago, and and for me, it was just incredibly easy and a lot cheaper to. I guess when I tried to assemble the Legion of Doom, I realized that if I tried to attack this from that standpoint of trying to get specific figures I wanted, people would overcharge you for them. And so if you just got a bunch of waves or, or lots on eBay, then all of a sudden it was like, I got a bunch of figures for like 10 bucks a piece because, you know, it was a big lot that somebody wanted to get rid of. And then I was like, well, I don't really have any of these, so fuck it. You know, like, and, and that's basically what it turned into. And now we're here, it's, it's 2015 and 
you know, I pretty much have everything there is to have for DC Universe classics, with the exception of two really obscure and rare things that I probably won't ever find, you know, so it's like, I mean, you know, and I, I, I and some people might be guessing what those are, but uh, the, the only two things that I was thinking of is there, there's apparently some kind of like really like huge, like 20 inch tall anti-monitor figure that they had at a San Diego Comic Con. I oh, doubt, I'll, I, I doubt, huh? I said, God, that would probably break the bank, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, I've never really seen one for sale or anything like. So I imagine it was just some Comic Con thing that only like you know twenty people got or something. So I have no yeah. idea if that's ever you know realistically attainable or whatever. And then I guess the second one doesn't really count, but you know apparently there were some decent made powder blue Superman figures that were supposed to be part of that Bizarro Superman two pack, and some of them were leaked on you know, like, through, like, I guess, Chinese eBay sellers or whatever, like, stuff like that. And I guess, you know, they did that superpowers, like, going away present line at Maddie Collector, but that Superman, like, I mean, I use him as my super friend Superman in the display, but I'm kind of unhappy with him. Like, his belt buckle has a gold paint on it, and you know how I feel about fucking gold instead of yellow. Like, I don't know why they did that. And then he doesn't have his yellow S on the back of his cape, and he's supposed to be, like, superpower Superman. Like, and then, like, the blue is, like, lighter than the darker blue that's used on Superman, but it's not quite that light either. And then the way they did the the Superman S, it's like you can kind of see the blue through the S, as opposed to most Superman figures where it does not bleed through. So I, I don't know. Just, just bad tempo. Yeah. It's like, it, I, I, it's kind of disappointing all around. So if I could ever find one of those, like for really reals powder blue supermans, I would, I would get one of those, but I mean, everything else, I, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm uh, a hordist completist or whatever, like uh, the rest of it <laughs> I, I've all got. Like, so, I mean, we could, we could go to town or whatever and, and talk about some things. I mean, I, you know, I enjoy the line. I like it. Um, I, I, like I was trying to preface, I, I did not experience a lot of the hardships that most collectors did with Mattel because I wasn't actually there for most of that stuff. It was like, you know, I, I did subscribe to like the tail end of the, the last subscription. And I do have some funny stories about trying to get, like San Diego Comic-Con exclusives where the white screen of death came up and I was frantically pushing F5 like a maniac and stupid shit like that. And yeah, I'm kind of glad that I don't have to do anything like that again. I I didn't really mind the subscription model. Uh, It's just the digital river shipping was always kind of ridiculous. Speaking of ours, there's been guys who, like, like you, have not been happy with Maddie Collector with their service. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, I mean, honestly, in, in in my case, like most times it was fairly easy to order and the the stuff was shipped right away usually. But I think that's cuz I'm in California and they're based in California. So, I'm sure it wasn't like a hell of a shipping route to get to me, but I just think like if they had, you know, maybe found some way to make shipping more economical for people. I mean, it's like when you're competing with stuff like Amazon where, you know, 
you order over $35 or you use Amazon Prime and everything's like two-day free shipping. And meanwhile, this company is charging you at minimum $10 to ship one fucking figure, and they only ship you one figure every month. You know, it's like, why can't you get, like, four figures and get them shipped all at once for the same price? You know, and it's like, you you can't, you know? And it's just like, I don't know, it's... You know, there there were things about it that were, were kind of problematic, and you know, ultimately, like I'm I'm happy if it filled out certain teams and collections for people and stuff like that. And you know, I I wasn't completely unhappy with it, but I I think it'd be, like, it'd be cool if like me and Mike uh, get stuff all big bad a lot sometimes, and they have this pile of loot system where you yeah, can just yeah. stockpile shit and just ship it all at once for a lower price, which yeah. is really handy. Yeah, I mean, if they had some kind of option like that, you know, if they use somebody other than Digital River, you know, for their shipping and, and website, you know, maybe that that would have alleviated some people's complaints and stuff like that. But, I mean, you know, I, I'd rather not dwell on stuff that's, like, negative because, I mean, most of the stuff is, is positive for me because most of the figures I enjoy and think are pretty great, and, and I'm happy to have, you know, like, shelves dedicated to, you know, basically the Super Friends versus the Legion of Doom. Or like my little Brave and the Bold shelf with some of my custom figures that I had made where, you know, I just did a head swap on a, a Detective Batman and a Golden Age Batman. And that's basically like my Brave and the Bold Batman. And then yeah. I grabbed him a little energy sword from the Brave and the Bold Batman line. And one of these days I may pick up the figure with the battle axe and give him the battle axe too. But it's like, you know, <laughs> those, those are the selling points for that. You know, I had that guy Glassman who makes all those cool customs, you know, he made me that, that cool outrageous Aquaman head, you know, for, for a DC UC body Aquaman. And it's like, it's perfect. Like, I mean, it's, it's a nice little shelf and, you know, all the figures fit really well on there. And, and, um, you know, the, the, those kind of figures I think are great. I mean, I know, I know you like some of those figures too, Tony, because I know you talk a lot about the Deathstroke figure, which is a really wonderful figure. And you, there's a couple guys like some of the Green Lanterns that you were trying to get or build, like Sodom Yacht and stuff like that. So, oh uh, yeah, um, it's really weird. I it was really because of you and Mike. Um, I know Mike doesn't collect a lot of DCUC. I know. Do you have any DCUC, Mike? I don't think so. Did you ever did you ever get any of those Young Justice figures at all? No, you know, I, I that was probably the closest I came. I was gonna pick up that Artemis, but I think I just never did. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I, I I'm definitely more picky and choosy than Derek. And it's not because Derek I I really don't think you're a hoarder collector. You just really like D C. You you're a big D C fan. But like yeah, I definitely pick and choose like as everybody's well aware, I love Azrael, so I had to get me an Azrael figure. Yeah. Um uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm very picky and choosy, but I really like the quality. They're really well made. And that was actually going to be a question I was going to ask you, uh, Derek. Me and Mike, I had my period where, like, I was a teenager and I was, like, too cool for toys, man. I'm all about hanging out and trying to get laid because I'm a teenager. And then Mike, I'm sure, it was the same way. He, like, you know, for a while he probably didn't collect because he was, like, a teenager and you kind of fall out of it. But me and him both kind of jumped back in pretty feet first with like transformers in our 20s and we were just like you know yeah i'm a toy collector whatever fuck it but you you had a very long dry spell like pretty much like most of your like mid late 20s early 30s what was it that made dcuc like so like 
appealing that you were just like, fuck it, I'm in. <laughs> I guess, I, I don't know, I, I think it came at a period of my life where, there were, I don't know, I was just looking for some kind of distraction and entertainment and things like that, so there was that aspect to it, um, but... As far as the line itself, I mean, I, I, I do think the Four Horsemen sculpt some really great uh, figures. And and on top of that, like, I think I, I think I've always said this, whereas, like, Marvel Legends, you know, have those weird tomato ball joints, and they're not always aesthetically pleasing to me, at least until you get to, like, some of those uh, figure designs, like the Bucky Cap mold or the Archangel mold, like, those finally are looking, like, aesthetically pleasing to me. Like, I think I've always kind of found the DCUC buck, I guess, aesthetically pleasing. So, I mean, I know some people complain about, oh, it's the same buck over and over again. And it's kind of like, but if you look at, like, Jose Garcia Luis Lopez, you know, praise be his name for the fire and water guys, but if you look at his art design, like... I mean, most guys have the same basic build, you know, and it's like when I look at those figures, it's like that's that's kind of what it reminds me of. I mean, even the superpowers line, I mean, you know, it's not like, yeah, they, there were certain things that are specifically sculpted, like Batman's utility belt and everything, but it's not like Superman and Batman have very drastically different builds from one another, you know? So I, I think just in those terms... Like, that line, I mean, it was like, it seemed like a consistent scale and a detailed scale. I mean, you know, I mean, until you get into, like, you know, semantics about Build-A-Figures and then later, you know, waves with, like, different use of bucks, you know. I mean, once you, you get know, to, like... You know, throwing in movie figures for certain lines. Yeah, know, or, or going, or, you know, saying, like, oh, well, the Huntress figure uses the Artemis buck, so then she's actually way smaller than Black Canary, so that's, like makes things awkward, you know, like, but, I mean, other than that, like, I mean, for the most part, like, especially, like, the first, I mean, I, I think most fans will tell you the first, like, 12 or so waves of that series are just ideal, you know, and and I would even go so far to say that, that even a lot of the later waves are, are great as well. I mean, there's certain things that I can poke fun at, you know, the the Superboy Prime head sculpt, for one, which also carried over to the Maddie Collector, you know, Superboy head. Like, that's a pretty off head sculpt. But to me, that's like one of those unusual things, you know, as opposed to, you know, it, it's an exception to the rule. It's not the yeah, rule, or, you know? So. Or, or the lack of Maxima at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, where's Maxima? No, I, I had a Maxima custom made, so that's that's yeah. taken care of as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. I think what DCUC did that was really good... Is like when you get Marvel Legends, and there are some really great Marvel Legends figures. I'm not. This is not a shit on Marvel Legends uh, podcast. Trust us. We we most of us have like Mike has a lot of Marvel Legends. I have Marvel Legends. Derek has Marvel Legends, but they don't seem to have a consistent style. Whereas the bulk of DC, you see, even when they do waves like the Super Friends line or like they do Super Powers line, the way they sculpt them is like. Hell yeah, my Golden Pharaoh can like hang out with my Deathstroke. Yeah. My Apache yeah. Chief can hang out with my uh, Stell, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it gets it gets more and more shady when I start throwing in more DC Direct guys into that mix. But as far as those Mattel figures go, yeah, you're right. There is a there, there's something to be said for that consistency, and I think that's part of why I I appreciate the line so much. 
Um, I guess, you know, before we uh, go into a little mid-break and come back with something special I had planned uh, for fun, uh, for toys and stuff like that, that has to do with a lot of the Mattel DCUC card backs, just, just kind of wrapping things up for this part of it. I mean, there there are other modern figures. I, I don't collect too many of those. So, I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of go down and, and mention some stuff and some stuff that we may have to look forward to in the future. But, I mean, besides that, there's, like, the DC collectible stuff. There's the Mattel Infinite Heroes, which are vastly inferior to Marvel Universe. There's, like, the Movie Masters and different Imaginex stuff, which is pretty cute for the kids and everything. And, you know, besides that, we've mentioned, like, Young Justice and Brave and the Bold. And, of course, everybody's into Arkham Asylum, so there's all kinds of wacky-ass figures for that line and everything. Uh, Coming up, there's going to be the Mezco 112 line. And so we've seen some announcements for those for, like, a Dark Knight Returns Batman and even the Mutant Leader. So that's something that I think I might be on board for. I mean, I know they're they're fairly more high-end you know, they're cloth and, and, and more expensive, but, it, you know, it may be something that, that people who are fans of, of DC characters have to look forward to as a, a new, you know, starting point. I mean, I guess, you know, a lot of that revolves around Batman, you know, whether it's like a NECA movie Batman, which is another thing that just came out, you know, stuff like that. But um, I mean, we, sh- we shouldn't, like, uh, ignore the Japanese, like, Kotobukiya and, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, figure arts. Figure arts and, and statues and stuff. I think I think once I see the Superman figure arts, that'll make me decide whether or not I want to jump into that or not. But yeah, uh, we just don't have we just don't have any examples on hand, so we can't really talk about that much about them. So, yeah. yeah, well, the Batman and the Joker came out, and I've seen them in the store a couple times, but I haven't. It, nothing's like gotten me to really jump the gun on those. So yeah. But um, I guess what we'll do here is we'll take a short break, and then once we come back, uh, we're going to do a little segment with some of these DCUC cardbacks, uh, just some commentary, I guess. And I guess our goal will be you know, that you won't have to uh, know exactly what we're looking at. We'll try to describe some stuff for you. But I think my plan is to stick some of these cardbacks that we're going to talk about up on our Tumblr page. So if you want to follow along you know, and visualize what's going on for this next segment, you can. And, uh, yeah, so we'll be right back after these interludes, important messages. Calabac Desaad, it is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the super friends so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? Ultra Boy and Booster Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, Ditchwick and Arisia and Woody Winks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC Who's Who. Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water podcast. Hey guys, welcome back from that exciting musical interlude slash break. 
This is Derek, Derek WC. We're back doing the second half of the DC Toy Retrospective. Uh, this is something that I had planned for a little while, and I thought it'd be fun to do with my fellow fan holes. And basically what's going on here, it kind of gave me an excuse to scan some of these card backs from some of the DC UC Classics toys that I have. And I'm going to preface this just by saying, for the most part, Mattel made some really excellent write-ups. They had some good character backgrounds with accurate first appearances and all that kind of stuff. But this is just going to be sort of poking fun at some of the inconsistencies and some of the moments where I had a Scooby-Doo when I read some of these card backs and everything and, and just kind of, you know, things stood out to me and I'm going to kind of play around with this. But again, like we said, we'll, we'll try to describe these the best we can. And also we will throw them up on the Tumblr. If you're just like, fuck it, you're not doing a good job. We want to look at these. So they'll be up on the Tumblr page and you can take a look at them. And I put them in a specific order based on these kind of themes and tropes and everything like that, and I may throw some questions out to my fellow fan holes before I reveal what the whole point of choosing that particular card back is, because maybe they can actually come to that conclusion on their own. But the first one we're going to look at here is from Wave 2 of DCUC Classics. This is the Gorilla Grodd Wave. And there were five different figures in that wave, Firestorm, Aquaman, Harley Quinn, the Electric Boogaloo, Superman, and Black Manta. And basically, I picked Black Manta here, and the next couple uh, bios, basically, I'll, I'll kind of spoil it here, but they're, they're a little more violent than you might expect for something that's supposed to be in a children's toy shop, so... Let, let's just read this biography and and you know tell me what you think if you if you didn't if you wouldn't have a moment when you were reading this in a toy store. So when I picked this up, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna read Black Manta's entry. And it's not that I don't know this; it's just that you know you kind of wonder, does it really need to be on the back of a toy card? So Black Manta engages in undersea crime in an attempt to conquer the world beneath the waves. However, Aquaman trademark thwarts Black Manta, trademark, at every turn, a conflict that has led to Black Manta's murder of Aquaman's infant son. Wow. So, yeah, I know that happened in the comics. I know it happened in Adventure Comics, but I was just, like, sitting there going, does that really need to be on the card back? Anyway, so... They, they, they didn't even, like, dance around. They weren't, like, you know, that inadvertently left to Aquaman's son being killed. No, like, Black Manta murders his son. <laughs> They're like, they're like, hey kids, Aquaman's son is dead, yeah. you know. And then, and then it goes on to say, tiring of his constant defeats, Black Manta, trademark, sold his soul to the demon Neuron, trademark, who they never made a figure of, for greater power, and was thus transformed into a true denizen of the deep. Which it's kind of funny because that's not actually like the version that you see here, but. Okay, but anyway, I, I just thought that this might be funny because, you know, obviously there there are some more violent issues that take place that you don't actually probably need on the back of an action figure card. But yeah, these are for collectors and blah bitty blah So just moving on to the next one I had pulled up here. Um, this is from Wave 17. This is actually the Jonah Hex figure, which is actually one of the 
best looking sculpts that they've done in the line. So this is a really good figure. All the bios and statistics are quite accurate. But I just thought it was kind of funny that basically they've got a biography here where they describe a rather, you know, Jonah Hex has a rather violent origin. You know, he was sold into slavery by his father, and he, he basically was sold to an Apache chief and trained, and then the backstory is basically about when the chief's son, who is jealous of Jonah, you know, challenges him to a duel and everything. According to the tribe, the way it looked to them, he broke their rules. Even though the chief's son, which they don't go into detail here, was a little fucking jackass, and he was the one actually cheating. But he just made it look like Jonah broke the rules. So because of that, then the tribe punishes him and they basically create his disfigured, scarred face because they stick a tomahawk on it after it's been burnt over the fire and everything. And so, you know, it ends basically saying, cast out, hideously scarred, and utterly alone, Hex rode west to make a living as a bounty hunter. He became a fugitive's worst nightmare. So I just want to point out, based on the last entry, that apparently it's okay to talk about infanticide, but we can't actually bring up the historical significance that Jonah Hex fought in the American Civil War, because that would be crazy wrong! Crazy wrong. So, hey, Derek. Derek. Derek, why is he wearing gray? Because he fought on the side of the South, Tony. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, apparently uh, American history is bad to put on the back of... of toy cards but infanticide super cool so just wanted to point out that, that kind of hypocrisy and stuff that stood out to me that's just you know. I, I just want to point out like yeah i know you said his statistics are correct and they are they they really are but i like the fact that his base of operations is the old west it is it is the old west. tony's base of operations the 80s cool times <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny because, because like most places, like that actually stands out a lot more than you'd think. Because the statistics, like usually, you know, it's kind of like, oh, Batman, Gotham City, you know, Superman, Metropolis, you know. But then you get to Jonah Hex, and it's like the Old West, you know. It's kind of like, oh, is that a, is that like a a state of mind? Like, what, what so is like that? when 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 Batman needs to team up with Jonah Hex, he's like, I better drive the Batmobile to the Old West. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've got to go to Old West, <laughs> Florida, Robin. Yeah. And, and and just for me, before we move on, Azrael is on this card too. So yeah, yeah. as bats, yeah, he is. He is one of the the many in the wave. This was a good wave as well. I mean, I guess some people may uh, take offense that Bane is as big as he is in this build a figure. But if you don't like how big he is, I guess you could always get the DC superheroes version, which is more of a you know six inch scale than the large build a version scale or whatever. Yeah, this is an interesting wave though, because like it's like primarily like Batman characters, except for Hex, which is kind of a Batman character. Yeah, but I guess I guess if you wanted Mercury to be right here. yeah, if you wanted to be strict about it, I guess you could say, well, Mercury's the only one who's not a Batman character. But then if you like watch Batman: Brave and the Bold, like technically all of them have teamed up and hung out with Batman at some point or another. So yeah, true, true, true point is true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay, and then moving on with more and more violence, we are actually looking at the Batman Unlimited card back to the new 52 Batgirl. 
And, you know, I, I like to bring this up because sometimes there's people who are like, are you even sure that she was shot in the back in the new 52? So not that I'm saying like this Batman Unlimited card is canon, but this actually does come from like the comic books that were written, too. So, you know, and the, the basically the, the bio goes inspired by Batman. Barbara Gordon fought Gotham City evildoers as Batgirl. Oh, really? Thank you. Thank you, file card. But when the Joker shot her in the face, notice the Joker's not trademarked on this one. She was confined to a wheelchair indefinitely. Determined to walk again, Barbara trained intensely and was able to resume her work as the crime-fighting Batgirl. Although her traumatic memories will not easily fade, she can once again be seen fearlessly swinging over the rooftops of Gotham City, not the Old West, as a sign of hope and perseverance. So, yeah, and, you know, again, this is this is a little less um, detailed, I think, than the other, you know, DC UC file cards. This is more the Batman Unlimited, DC Unlimited line. But, I, you know, I, basically just going along the lines of the, the first theme that I was picking for these, you know, it's, do we, you know, I, I don't know that kids need to know that she was shot in the spine. But I, I, I was going to go if they're going to go that far with it, like I said, the Batman picture, they should just show, like, an orange-tinted, like, picture of Barbara's, like, nipple from the killing joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she was she was confined to a wheelchair, and Joker probably diddled her, even though nobody wants to acknowledge it. You know, like, it's like... It should have said, but, uh, what do you call, but Barbara persevered and did a lot of push-ups and cured her spine. <laughs> just, just like Christian Bale. Yeah, it's like, she was, uh, what was it? Yeah was confined to a wheelchair indefinitely, and by indefinitely we mean a definite set amount of time. <laughs> and by indefinitely we mean she was confined to a wheelchair since 1988, and then in 2011 we decided, ah, fuck it. She's okay. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, now, moving on, we are looking at, I think this is wave... 19? I don't know. But anyway, we are looking at the biography of one Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow. This is from the Brightest Day storyline, so it's at the time it was the most current version of Green Arrow. I'm just going to start by reading the bio. Oliver Queen was an irresponsible thrill-seeker until his time on a desert island forced him to master the bow and arrow. Forever changed... He became the masked vigilante Green Arrow. Over time, Queen became disillusioned with quote-unquote justice and secretly hunted down villains, including the man who blew up Star City, Prometheus. Suck it, Linkara! Suck it! <laughs> Queen was banned from Star City. However, the events of the Blackest Night and Brightest Day brought him back, struggling to protect what remained of his hometown. There's nothing wrong with this bio. I just wanted to say suck it, Linkara. So that's why this is here. So, yeah. Also, props, Star City is an actual location. Star City is an actual location. It is not the Old West. It's not like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's somewhere up there in, you know. You can drive to Star City. You can't drive to the Old West. It's like North Northwest America-ish place, something. <laughs> yeah. It exists. It's there. <laughs> okay. Now we're going to get into funny little eras and... Things that make me go, what? So here we go. We're looking at Cheetah. And then keep in mind, guys, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you what you notice about this one rather than reveal it right away. But 
keep in mind, based on the biography, they're actually talking about two different versions of Cheetah because she was like a swap variant figure. So even though you see the, the classic Priscilla Rich character, there was also the Barbara Minerva, you know, the, the more George Perez kind of feral version of Cheetah or whatever. So the biography goes... Several individuals have taken the name of Cheetah over the years. The first was a socialite named Priscilla Rich, who resented the fame of the Wonder Woman of the 1940s. Turning a cheetah-skinned rug into a costume, she tangled with the Amazon several times. Decades later, glory-hunting archaeologist Barbara Minerva stumbled upon... Uh, stumbled across an African tribe in the midst of a bloody ritual. She forced them to make her a part of the ceremony so she could become the vessel for the cheetah spirit, attaining the abilities and feral nature of one of Wonder Woman's greatest and most enduring foes. Now, this is what I'm going to ask. In terms of the statistics, what do you notice about the first appearance, guys? Uh, well, it's in Wonder Woman number 6. And does... And, and and Priscilla Rich does appear in Wonder Woman number six, but does Barbara Minerva appear in Wonder Woman number six? Yeah, no. No, <laughs> she doesn't. So, and, and, and normally this wouldn't be a big deal, but as we go to the next entry that we see, we've got Our Man. And Our Man is a JSA superhero. His basic shtick is he takes the I like how they call it the revolutionary vitamin they don't call it a drug it's a revolutionary vitamin I'm like I take the revolutionary vitamin crack you know it's like anyway so it's the revolutionary vitamin mir- miracle or miracuru as they like to call it on arrow but anyway why, why, why is that not trademark what the fuck yeah I don't know I don't know why any of this isn't trademark but anyway at this point we're not trademarking anything but um, yeah, that's why these were ordered the way they were, because, you know, you want to look at things and go, huh? But anyway, so we're looking at chemist Rex Tyler, who is the original Our Man, and that's what this outfit, this figure's outfit represents and everything. But the reason why I put him in here is not so much that it's a mistake, but just to illustrate, whereas Cheetah only had the original appearance and talked about Barbara Minerva and Priscilla Rich... This entry only talks about Rex Tyler and doesn't talk about his son. Yet, in the first appearance, it mentions Rex Tyler's first appearance in Adventure Comics issue number 48, but it also represent, or uh, it also mentions Infinity Inc. issue number 20. But that's the second Hour Man, who is never talked about in the biography. And he only gives Rex Tyler as his real name, not his son. Right. So that anyway. So so again, that's stuff that just you know, as if you're a intense, crazy fanboy like me, you're like, wait a minute, why are you doing that? <clears throat> Moving on, we are also introduced to another JSA character. This is Starman, Ted Knight. Ted Knight is the original Starman, and this is how it should be done because Ted Knight is mentioned. He invented the cosmic rod, which collects stellar energy and allows the bearer to fly and manipulate gravity, taking the name Starman. He became a member of the Justice Society of America. Though the mist was his greatest foe, Ted suffered most from his own guilt over helping to create the atomic bomb. See, atomic bombs are cool, Civil War is bad. 
Keep note of that, kids. Leading to his ultimate retirement, Ted's son, Jack, reluctantly took up the mantle, and the Mist's daughter, going by the same name, became Jack's arch enemy. The reason why this is important is because the original Starman and the Jack Knight Starman were both swap figures in this wave, and this is basically illustrating how it should be done. They talk about Ted Knight, they talk about Jack Knight, and they list both their first appearances as Adventure Comics issue 61 from 1941, which is Ted Knight's first appearance, and then Zero Hour issue number one from 1994, which is Jack Knight's first appearance. So that's basically why I wanted to put that there. Now... As as well as both their real names, and also... The fact that Jack knows uh, jujitsu or ninjutsu, sorry. So, so it's it's pretty it's pretty accurate, and this is the way you do do it. I'm giving a thumbs up, even though nobody can see it on this podcast. So now here comes the test, guys. If you've been taking notes and everything, this is the quiz question for all the money. Move to the next entry. This is for our buddy Golden Pharaoh. Now, quick. Look at the first appearance. <laughs> Some guy we don't talk anything about. What, what do you notice about the first appearance, Mike? Adventure comics. Now, what was the first appearance in the last thing we looked at with Starman? Isn't is that the same one? It is. It's exactly the same because somebody was going crazy with the copy paste button. Because <laughs> Golden Pharaoh does not appear in Adventure Comics issue 61, nor does he appear in Zero Hour issue 1. This is a flat-out mistake. Uh, if you look at the biography, it actually covers that he was created by a bolt that emanated from a laboratory on New Genesis. That's actually referring to Superpowers Volume 3, issue number one. Which he's an 80s character. <laughs> yeah, which technically probably should be what's listed as the first appearance, I guess. But oddly enough, if you go to this next entry, it's Cyclotron. <laughs> And Cyclotron also first appeared in that Superpowers volume, and it looks like, unfortunately, they did not use the copy-paste button from Cyclotron's entry, because if they had, it would have been accurate for Golden Pharaoh. But since they didn't, and they used it from Starman, it was totally wrong. So, <laughs> just, just illustrating that to point it out, and stuff that I think is funny. I like Cyclotron. I don't care what all these haters say where they're like, He's not a real character. And, of course, you know why I liked him, because Cyclotron's bio is that Superman programmed him. So he's got to be cool, because Superman made him. He's basically like a Superman robot with, like, a spooky yeah. different outfit, you know? So so that's how I always thought of him. So he's, he's like, you know, one of those Superman robots at the Fortress, but he gets to wear, like, different clothes and stuff. So. Yeah, it's like Superman woke up one day. He's like, "I'm from Krypton. I can make an outfit that looks like that." Did he, did he first appear in like uh, the Galactic Guardians or? No, no, no. I'm... That was basically uh, Golden Pharaoh and Cyclotron uh, were made for the toy line only. So oh, they okay. never they never yeah. appeared on the cartoon, but they did appear in this third volume of the 
superpowers comic book. Yeah, because I had never heard of either of them. Yeah, so. Yeah, they, they didn't even show up in, in Legends, which is what the whole superpowers thing was based on. Like well, the most, people, most people complain that those two guys are wastes of slots, quote-unquote, you know, because basically, it, I, I guess that's some of the contention towards Mattel, where they were trying to complete you know, a modern version of the superpowers toy line. But, you know, to me, I'm like, well, at least that's a goal. You know, at least they had some kind of goal in what they were trying to produce, you know. And I, I you know, obviously I, I have a fondness for superpowers, so I don't have much of a problem with it. But I guess to some people, they're like, oh, that should have gone to Zoriel or that should have gone to Aztec or, you know, like whoever they really wanted to be made. But, you know, I, I, I guess I can't really, you know, argue that, you know, or defend that or whatever. It's like, to me, I'm like, I, I don't have any problem with these guys being made. I just thought it was funny to point out some of the inconsistencies in their statistics and everything like that. Yeah. And then uh, just moving on uh, to the next entry, this is also interesting, too, because this is one of the only cases, this is for Samurai, and again, his biography I already know you're going to go with this, but I'm going to let you say it. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Go ahead, Tony. Like, since, since you know, like, like, wh- where do you think I'm going with this? I'm going to go say they fleshed him out more because they never mentioned new gods or new genesis with Samurai. <laughs> well, see, that what's interesting about that is Samurai also was in that Superpowers miniseries that oh. listed as the first appearance. Like, technically, like, even though... Samurai's first appearance is the all-new Super Friends Hour, which they list. Like, as far as the comics go, the first time he ever shows up in the comics is in that Super Powers miniseries. So the same accident that gives Golden Pharaoh his powers by the New Gods also gives the history professor, you know, uh, Toshio Ito, he gets his powers from that same accident. So that's why they're talking about you know, new gods and new Genesis and all that stuff, because it directly ties into that superpowers miniseries. But in this case, they didn't put superpowers. They put the all new super friends hour. And, and there, I think there's a couple more entries. Like maybe I think El Dorado might have an entry, except for it's like a later series of the super friends, but there's not too many characters that have TV shows listed as their first appearances in this toy line, but he is he's one of the few. Huh, cool. Yeah, like I said, they never mentioned in the cartoon, but that's cool they mentioned in the comics. Okay, and then this stuff you may or may not know the answer to, but I'm going to read the bio real quick and go over the statistics, and then I want you to think about it and tell me what the hell's wrong with it, okay? So here we go. We're looking at Toy Man. And the biography for Toy Man is listed here, and it says Winslow Schott is a shy inventor who was tricked into selling his toy company to an arms manufacturer. Realizing his technology was going into smart bombs, Schott sent an explosive teddy bear to his new boss. This ironic murder marked the birth of the Toy Man. A frequent adversary of Superman, Toy Man is a twisted genius who lost touch with reality and sets out to punish anyone he feels deserves it. Statistics. First appearance, Action Comics issue number 64, September 1943. Real name, Winslow Percival Shot. And then blah bitty blah bitty blah bitty blah. What's wrong, guys? Can you know what's wrong? I could be wrong, because I'm not as much of a Superman fan as you are. But is that the Winslow Shot version of Toy Man? 
Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. This is not Winslow's shot at all. <laughs> this is the second Toy Man. This is Jack Nimble. This was the guy that was on the Challenge of the Super Friends because this helps you build your entire Legion of Doom. That's why when I saw this guy, I was like, holy shit, you can make a Legion of Doom? Like, <laughs> so I, was, I was all happy to see him. But when you read the back of this card, you're like, his name's Jack Nimble. Like, he's the guy who's like, I demand more toys. So, yeah, his his first appearance is wrong, and his name is wrong, and his backstory is totally wrong. So, yeah. That, that gave it away, because I was like, Toy Man does not have this dark of a like, origin for this version. <laughs> well, it's weird. Like, he, he appears, and then I think he uh, he brings the original... Toy Man out of retirement, so because he's got like a pretender to the throne, kind of like I mean, basically he's the um, kind of like the know, he, he's the, the Jason one. Masondale of of Toy Man, you know, kind of thing. So <laughs> you know, yeah. so but yeah, I just wanted to point that out. And, and kudos for me for actually remembering that. <laughs> yeah, 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 kudos, dude. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you're. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten so. that. Cool. All right. So then, moving on. This I just thought was kind of funny. It's basically the Sinestro Corps Batman, which, if anybody's a waste of a fucking slot, it's the Sinestro <laughs> Corps Batman. Okay, guys? I don't care if Batman sells. He's a waste of a fucking even, slot. Even Batman's angry about it. Yeah, he's like, oh, Batman, I'm a waste of a slot. I was in, like, a panel of fucking he's Green like, Lantern. I could have been, been Zoriel. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I should have been Aztec, god damn it. You know, like where fucking crabface Kyle Rayner should have been here. You know, like basically there's all these guys that could have been in this slot that weren't, but they needed a Batman to anchor the line, so they picked a Batman that was on camera or on comic page for like one freaking panel. But anyway, I, I also think it's kind of amusing that they just basically copy and pasted an old school Batman biography and statistics, but you cannot read it because it's got the little <laughs> Sinestro core sigil like burnt into the text. You know, that like, biography scary. <laughs> what What would you do? Like, I know none of us have kids, but what would you do if your kid was like, "Daddy, like, what What does that mean?" Like, <laughs> he's like, I, I don't know, son. They're really They're really afraid of reading, so the Sinestro Corps put their their sigil all on top of the text. I, I just want to, like, get pulled over one day and, like, you know, have the cop come to my car and be like, all right, sir, uh, let me see your license and identification, and then when he walks back to his cop car, he comes back. Um, sir, we pulled up your uh, file. There's a giant glowing uh, yellow lantern symbol over it, so I don't know what you've done. <laughs> Sinestro's right. Fear's more effective than willpower. So you ditched green and went yellow, the color of cowardice. You even exist, sir. <laughs> I'm like, I shouldn't be in this wave. <laughs> I'm a total waste of a slot. <laughs> Golden Pharaoh is better slot than I am. Jim, son of Saturn. Slot. Speaking of that, I did want to bring up, like, what's funny is, like, that action figure caused me to read the entire Gem Son of Saturn miniseries, because I'd never <laughs> read it before. And I always get bent out of shape when somebody's like, I got this cool new toy! And you're like, do you know where it comes from? No! <laughs> and I'm, I'm always like, I kind of hate that. So I was like, you know what? I, I, I would not be true to myself if I don't at least, like, you know, do some due diligence. And, like, because like, I bought that whole wave, like, I think, 
uh, you know, off either Big Bad or eBay or something like that. And so I was just like, oh, okay, well, you know what? I should sit down and read it. And it wasn't like, it wasn't Horrible. a good comic or anything, but I'm glad I know who Jim is. So Yeah, that's my biggest downfall as a comic book reader is at a point in my life as a reader, I got way too much into Marvel Universe handbooks and DC who's who. So I know a ton of characters of issues I've never read, but I know who they are because of their biographies and shit. Yeah, yeah, because you read all the like history and stuff on them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so and this is this is not the, this last set of of guys is not they're not so much mistakes. It's just I I kind of question why they picked what they picked for first appearances. And this is from the infamous, I guess, Walmart wave, one of the first Walmart waves. I think this is wave four or wave five, I forget. Basically, it's the Walmart wave that has a Mazo, Adam, the Riddler, the Eradicator, Black Lightning, and the, the Build-A-Figure is Metallo. And the Eradicator's biography is kind of irrelevant for what we're going to discuss. And the same for, like, the next three entries. Um... But basically, we've got the Eradicator, and then the next entry will have Cyborg Superman and Mongol in a two-pack. And then the next entry after that is going to have Shitstain Batman and Clayface in a two-pack. So basically, this is all dealing with first appearances. Now, I'm not sure if you guys are super familiar with this or not, but Tony may be. Um, Tony, why don't you read to us what it says the first appearance of Eradicator is? First appearance uh, is Action Comics Annual number two, 1989. Real name, Dr. David Connor. Occupation, Kryptonian Artifact. Base of Operations, Fortress of Solitude. Special Abilities, Flight, Super Strength, Heat Vision, and Invulnerable. Well, that's weird. I thought he was the Krypton Man who was, like, from Krypton. Krypton. <laughs> so, so well, basically, like, it's, it's kind of weird because what they're doing is David Connor... David Connor was a character they made so that he actually had a secret identity in the Outsiders. And it was actually like a human host that he, I don't know, was inhabiting or whatever. It was it was kind of a weird thing. But that didn't come until way yeah, later. Yeah, first until, appearance, was, is, yeah, as, as David Connor was not 1989. <laughs> it wasn't 1989. It was sometime in the 90s when they had that Outsiders ongoing title. Also, like... The, the physical form of the Eradicator looking like Superman didn't come until the reign of the Superman, which also wasn't until, like, 92, 93, or whatever. So yeah, his original form was, like, the, the uh, like uh, energy version with, like, the kind of ceremonial Krypton, like, whipped cream puffy sleeves and, like, a black face. Mm, well, that actually was a way later form, believe it or not. Um, but his original form was a Kryptonian artifact. Like he basically he looked like Superman's spaceship designed by John Byrne if it was like a little urn or something like a little tiny sort of trophy or whatever and the cleric gives him the Eradicator like yeah. so it was just a it was a thing you know like so it's like he doesn't I I don't know it's kind of weird like it, it's not a mistake but it's just it's weird because Action Comics Annual Two is where the the artifact appeared it it kind of be like I guess if the Cosmic Cube turned into, like, a guy named Steve, you know? And it's like, oh, well, the Cosmic Cube first appeared in, you know, Tales of Suspense, you know, 67 or whatever, where the Red Skull was holding oh, it. 
or, 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 like, the uh, first uh, appearance of Cubex was where he came from, but they list the Cosmic Cube's first appearance. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm going with that. And then if we look at the next two pack, we're seeing Cyborg Superman and Mongol. And again, this is kind of weird. Like, for the Cyborg Superman, they've got his real name as Hank Henshaw, which is true. His occupation is mass murderer. <laughs> I don't know how you get that job, but you walk in and like, yeah, I've, I've murdered before. I'll murder again. Oh, you're hired as a mass murderer. Um, and so, uh, you know, his base of operations, kind of like the Old West, is the Terran solar system, because, you know, that's where I set my base of operations. His his first appearance, which is what we're kind of nitpicking here for the this last batch of cardbacks, is... The Adventures of Superman, issue 466. Now, this is kind of accurate because this issue features Superman fighting sort of a an Erzatz Fantastic Four type group, basically. And and basically yeah. the Reed Richards of that group, you know, turns into like this weird metallic energy douchebag form or whatever. And by the end of it, the rest of the Fantastic Four all go nuts and die or whatever happens. And you'd think that Reed Richards, like, you know, puffs away into the, like, you know, silicon of the universe or whatever, never to be seen again. But when they do the, you know, the Reign of the Superman story and Cyborg Superman actually comes back, which would be like, I don't know, Superman issue 76 or something. I don't know, maybe 78. I don't know, a couple issues after the funeral which is maybe technically what they should have used for his first appearance, you know, looking the way he does in this toy line, you know, that that's when he technically would have looked like that for the first time and appeared as the cyborg Superman, not Hank Henshaw. Uh, yeah. I hate to say it. Cause Hank Henshaw was kind of a throwaway character until this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like nobody cared about him. And then, and then as you went through the storyline, you know, it was like, who is the cyborg Superman? Is it the real Superman brought back from the dead? It's like, no, it's this douchebag Hank Henshaw. And so then, then you know, so so technically it's like, eh, you know, technically the first appearance is right, and technically, again, like the Eradicator, it maybe they should have picked something a little later. Um, Mongol's first appearance, well, you know, his real name is Mongol, because he's Mongol. His occupation is despotic conquerer. Again, that must be the same place that you get the mass murderer job. Um, looks, looks great on a resume. Yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, you were a despotic conqueror. Come right in. I, uh, I just like like Galactus like filling an application. You know, occupation, world devourer. World devourer. You're not going to devour our world, are you, Mr. Galactus? Or no, 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 no. That's in my past. I'm, I'm just, I just want to be a good sales associate. Right. Depends on if I get hungry. Um, so everybody's got to take a lunch break. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true, Mr. Galactus. So his base of operations is War World. Now, they're listing his first appearance as Adventures of Superman 454. Um, and then it says April 1980. I don't think right, is it? So, one, one, Adventures of Superman wasn't being 
done in 1980. <laughs> yeah. um, the second thing is that... I, I, think the, I think it was a comic called Action Comics. <laughs> no, like, see, this is what, what's confusing is technically Mongol's first appearance pre-crisis is DC Comics Presents. So I think what happened was they meant to put the issue of DC Comics Presents. I think it's like issue number 36. I don't know. It's it's in the 30s. And and so I think what they meant to do was put that issue of DC Comics Presents, but instead they put a post-crisis issue where Mongol appears, you know, at, I, I guess it, technically that Adventures of Superman is probably his first appearance post-crisis. But yeah, like, it looks like, like they, it looks like they not only got it confused, but they merged the wrong date with the post-crisis appearance or something. So, Yeah, they, they so. kind of like whiffed it. <laughs> so again, again, this is, that, that's a definite mistake and, and kind of con- conflagration of, of, of factoids that is not accurate. Okay, and then, of course, another guy who's not a waste of a slot at all, Shitstain Batman, because you need a Shitstain Batman. I mean, hey, Derek, every collection. I, I Batman with the slight tear on his chest from the uh, Asbats two-pack is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need you need tear on his chest Batman and, and, and poop on his fucking costume Batman. Come on, who doesn't need poop on his costume Batman? He's, he's essential to any... DC Comics collection. Um, so, all all I really wanted to say was not too much about Batman. I like harping on shit-stained Batman, but uh, I just wanted to focus the last one, and this is kind of similar to the whole deal with Cheetah and kind of similar to the whole deal with Cyborg Superman and these guys. Um, I'll, I'll try and... Um, I'll, I'll try and um, just read the biography, and then maybe you guys can tell me what might be wrong with it, or at least a little off. Let's see if I can fucking read it. Jesus Christ. It's Initially, tiny. It is it is very tiny print. Initially an actor in horror films, Basil Carlo, went mad when he learned a classic film of his was to be remade. He donned the mask of the film's villain, Clayface, and killed several of the remake's cast and crew. Hey, he's a man after my own heart. He hates the remake so much, he goes and murders the remake cast. Way to go, Basil. Later, Carlo joined a collection of villains who used the name Clayface. Before the gang was defeated, Carlo injected himself with the essences of several of his allies, becoming a superhuman with the abilities to change shape, melt others into protoplasm, and mimic the powers of heroes and villains. And so, yeah, on the statistics, it's got his real name, Basil Carlo, occupation, former actor, now professional criminal, base of operations, mobile, snicker, First appearance, Detective Comics issue number 40, special skills, blah, 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 blah. Um, it, does anything seem like off to you with, with this entry at all? Uh, that's Matt Hagen from the animated series. Yeah, see, like, the, the, visually he looks just like Matt Hagen, you know? And, and the original, like, I get what they're going for, like, because Basil Carlo up to a point was just a dude who had a mask that looked like clay and he murdered people with a knife. So he was just like a, you know, a serial killer or whatever. 
And then when they did the Mud Pack storyline, which I'm really fond of, by the end of that, he injected all the different Clayface versions' blood into his bloodstream. And then after that, it kind of gets a little wacky, but, you know, he was, you know, quote-unquote Clayface, you know, like the real monstrous Clayface. Now, you can argue whether they used the bat the Batman the animated series guys used some of Kelly Jones's artwork to to make their design of Clayface or whatever but I, I mean I see what they're going for but again I don't know it, it feels like one of those face... weird it feels like one of those weird things to me where it doesn't seem quite like it's kind of like isn't that supposed to be Matt Hagen or you know but that's, not that's really it really gives it away that looks like the animated Matt Hagen face yeah, to me it's kind of funny because when people say, "Oh, I'd really like a animated series Clayface," I'm kind of like, "You got an animated series Clayface? He's right fucking there. But, he's with Poopy Batman. <laughs> he's with Poopy Batman. Come on." But yeah, so that—that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to pick out some of these, uh, you know, card backs and kind of poke fun at them. Like I said, the majority of them are fairly accurate, but I just wanted to point that out to our listeners and, and the folks, you know, at home, you know, so I, I wouldn't say if this was a speed round. I fucking nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You did, you did great. So, and, uh, you know, I mean, you know, so it, it's just, you know, it's something like, you know, that you, as a DC fan, you know, you, you look at and kind of go, wait a minute, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. all right. I, I, will, I will give him credit though. At least it's not like Marvel, you like Marvel, uh, Legends, where it's just like the beast is a blue cat. He's blue and a cat. <laughs> a childhood is a terrible thing to lose, Miss Lane. But I'm getting mine back with a vengeance. So yeah, so I mean that that pretty much wraps up our coverage of our DC toy retrospective. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to our musings and thoughts on these card backs and then kind of quickly going through like all these various lines and everything and some of our personal experiences and stories with them. But what we will do now is move on to our regularly scheduled segment, which is what is awesome in your world this week. And I will start out with our buddy Mike and ask him what's awesome in his world this week. I would just like to say that, uh, I'll go with uh, good TV again and uh, say that, you know, Arrow and Flash have come back since I think we last talked, and, you know, both of them are pretty good. And, uh, you know, I'm having fun with both shows, and, you know, it's a good time for TV, basically. I'm kind of coming to the realization, though, it's like all the shows I follow are based on comic books now. But (laughs) it's like, oh, well, whatever. Hey, Hey, as long as you're good, who cares, right? Yeah, exactly. Cool, cool, very cool. I I enjoy those shows a lot as well. So and then Wa- Walking Dead comes back this Sunday, so that's another one. Sweet. So what about you, Tony? What is your awesome thing in your world this week? Uh, by serendipity, since we're talking about action figures, um, I managed to scout out and find a lot of the new Transformers Combiner Wars line uh, that's being released by Hasbro. It's basically the big event in comics this year, and it's also pretty much what Hasbro's tying into to follow up uh, Age of Extinction as far as toys. I managed to snag Alpha Bravo, 
which people hate. I don't understand why. He's, he's a totally great figure. Slingshot uh, forever! <laughs> <laughs> he still has a toast on the side of his head. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, we also have uh, Skydive, who is also a really good figure, and Drag Strip, who I also really enjoy. Um, I, I really like the fact, if you're a Transformers collector, these guys have heft. They're they're legitimate deluxe size. They like fit in really well with classics. And in their vehicle modes, they're really like they got like that heaviness and stuff. You feel like you're, you know, that sounds sounds really lame, but you feel like you're playing with a toy again, and like you don't think you're going to break them at every single instance. So yeah, I'm very excited for Combiner Wars. I haven't seen any of the uh, Voyagers yet in my area. Uh, Firefly was here, but I missed him. There was one on the peg, and I was like, I'll get him later. I like Skydive more. Go, but I'll get him later. So yeah, um. Really, really excited for Combined Wars. It's going to be a good year for Transformers. Cool. Yeah, no, that sounds cool. I guess if they ever do a... I think they're supposed to do a Rodimus Combiner. Maybe I'll I'll look at that when I see one or whatever. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a, a redeco of that little Blackjack like okay. mini car or whatever that's going to be Metasaur's chest plate. So. Okay. Cool, cool. So uh, my thing is part awesome thing, and I guess I guess it's kind of part feedback. So I've got a couple different folks that we all know and love from the Bot Talk boards, and also our number one fan who has been in communication with us. So I just wanted to give a shout out to some of these guys, maybe kind of pimp out some of their their projects if they have any, and and let them know that we. Uh, you know, we enjoy hearing from them from time to time and stuff like that. So the first up, uh, well, this is actually through my personal Facebook page. So I'm, I'm not going to, you know, call him by his, his legal Christian name or whatever, because I'm not sure that, you know, he didn't send this to fan holes. He, he sent it to me personally or whatever. But this is from our buddy Big Country over on the Bot Talk forums. And uh, he actually just sent me a, a note about history of comics on film, and I, I just figured that I'd use the podcast as an opportunity to read out the feedback and just tell him that I appreciate it again, even though I, I obviously responded to him on Facebook. It's not like I'm like, I'm not going to say anything until the podcast. No, I, I, I told him I appreciated the comments and everything, and but I, I just wanted to give him a shout-out. He actually mentioned, uh, hey, bro, just wanted to drop you a line and let you know how much I enjoy your work. I binge-watched a bunch of the history of comics on film and i just love the way you put those together thanks for all the hard work you know and i told him i appreciated the comments and if he wanted to he could like the history of comics facebook page and all that kind of stuff i think my big goal for this year as of this recording is to at least do one of them by the end of every month so that's kind of what i'm shooting for and hopefully i'll actually be long out of the 70s by the time the year is over that's that's my big goal so if you're hearing this now and it's you know sometime in the middle of the year you know hopefully there's there's some new stuff there for you to watch and everything and um again thanks big country i appreciate the feedback on that and it is kind of my awesome thing of the week um i'll give you, I'll give you a big up too you just did captain america with red brown definitely go check it out guys it's, it's a really good episode cool thanks thanks um, the, the other uh, bot talker that I wanted to give a shout out to, and I've, I've added his YouTube page onto the Fanholes blog spot, so if you want to check it out, you can go to our cool sites, or if you happen to go to the History of Comics on Film, I also have a cool site section there, so I've added Kaiju no Kami, which is our buddy Martz's 
video series chronologically dealing with all the films in the Godzilla series. And he's doing little video reviews, and he's, you know, just getting started and everything. And, you know, he's kind of going through some growing pains and stuff like that. But like I've been telling most people, I think that that show has a lot of promise, and he's just getting better and better. He uh, released a third video on King Kong versus Godzilla at the time we're recording this. And um, he switched up some of his editing software from Windows Movie Maker to Sony Vegas, and it really shows. And I, I just think, you know, by the time you guys hear this, he'll probably have a bunch of other great videos for you to check out. So if you've never heard of it and you haven't seen it and you like Godzilla and big giant monsters, I think you should all check that out as well. Um, and then last for our, you know, sort of shout out slash awesome things of the week. We also got a uh, nod from our biggest fan, or who I like to call our biggest fan, uh, Tom Spielman, um, had uh, gotten in contact with me on Facebook. And actually, it's kind of funny, it was totally coincidental, but this was around the same time the news broke that Brian Michael Bendis was leaving X-Men forever! <laughs> so, of course, you know, we, we had been discussing that on the Bot Talk forums but what was interesting was he tagged me in a facebook post and asked me you know he was basically like i'd love to hear your thoughts on this derek you know because he says you know this news reminds me how much i love bendis as a writer and ultimate spider-man is one of my favorite comics and made me fall in love with comics this man has written everybody at marvel at this point i wonder what he'll do next so you know he's he's kind of interested in seeing what where you know uh, Bendis goes next creatively and everything. Um, and then again, uh, I think Tom, man, has really blown up. I mean, I, I had meant to do this a long time ago, but since we're talking about it, I kind of wrote all this stuff down so I could say it out on the podcast. But he's got a great blog. I know we've mentioned it before on this show, but he's got a great blog called Tom Tificate where he blogs about all kinds of cool nerdy geek stuff, you know, whether it's TV shows or films or comics or video games or whatever. And he's also a regular writer now for a website called Another Castle. So I guess a lot of times some of his Tom Tificate stuff ends up being repostings of stuff that he's worked on at that website, Another Castle. And then on top of that, uh, you know, this last year, 2014, he was invited to San Diego Comic-Con to speak at the Comics Art Conference, and he actually gave a presentation on Carl Barks. So, I mean, he's been doing a lot of great stuff, so if you like anything that we do, or you like any kind of, you know, cool entertainment in the sort of comic and fantasy, science fiction, you know, all that stuff that we like to talk about, uh, you, you may definitely enjoy a lot of Tom's blogs and his thoughts on things as well. You know, maybe you're, you're tired of us bashing on Bendis and you want to hear somebody else's take on it. You know, he's read quite a few Bendis things and kind of has his own opinion and takes on things, so I, I think you should check that out, because he He's, uh, he's doing a lot of good work for everybody. So, yeah, those are kind of my awesome things of the week. We are on Stitcher Radio. We are on iTunes. You can find us at fanholespodcast.blogspot.com where we post all our stuff, whether it's sideshows, spinoff shows, the proper podcast, our top ten lists, our, you know, Mobile Suit Mondays, Toku Thursdays, Sentai Saturdays, Transformers Tuesdays stuff. We are on Facebook and Twitter, and 
Again, uh, I will be posting some of this, uh, some of these card backs and things on our Instagram or or our Tumblr, I guess, whatever the visual social medias are that we are on. And I, I guess that pretty much wraps things up. I mean, you can send us comments, questions, criticisms, or concerns at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, it's Mike, and I'm punching myself in the face. And this is Tony. I went the whole episode without mentioning that Azrael's first appearance as an action figure was in Night Force Ninja. Shit! <laughs> Night Force. Yeah! Toys for every girl and boy. There are jigsaw puzzles and computer games. Lots of railway tracks, carriages and trains. Toys, 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 lots of lovely toys. In my toy box there are toys for every girl and boy. You know that that's the only that's the only night whatever it is, Night Ninja Force, whatever, that was the only one I bought because I was like, I need an Azrael figure. <laughs> so he can fight who did he fight in Marvel vs. DC? I forget. He fought somebody. It was probably like... Uh, no, my luck. Fucking probably Captain Ultra or Howard the Duck. No, it was... I don't know. It was somebody... Oh, yeah. There was that one big montage. Yeah, yeah. He oh, in, he fought... He fought or, or, cool, yeah. Or maybe he was on the trading yeah, card. Yeah, I think, I think he was on the trading card fighting somebody, and I was like, I need to get Azrael. So. Was it Night Thrasher? I don't know. It might have been. I don't know. Hey, man, that that might cool. make sense, yeah. I guess I could. Uh, I, I guess I could look it up, but yeah. I, I just typed in yeah, Azrael Marvel versus DC. Uh oh, Sabretooth? Oh yeah, he was fighting Sabretooth. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's oh, well, he got killed. But see, no, no, I, I thought like I was like oh, I think I had whoever he was fighting because it's like I probably uh, had Wolverine and Batman, Azrael and Sabretooth. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Kind of like you know. The two lessers. Twisted, twisted versions <laughs> yeah. of... of well, I remember, stuff. yeah, like, I remember it was, like, Joker versus Green Goblin, but it was, like, Phil Urich Green Goblin, so uh, I was like, sorry, Phil, like, you're not out of your league there. Like, <laughs> You got pwned. By the way, fan holes, look forward to a three-hour podcast done just by me talking about Azrael later on in the year. <laughs> That'd be funny if it was, like, in the other three hours or, or Mike talking about uh, Phil Urich. And then, then the, the the background for the whole six hours is just me fapping over Maxima, you know. So, but that's what that's what the Grant Morrison noise is. <laughs> Be sure to tune into our Fanholes live stream, Fapathon 2015. <laughs> <laughs>